Mm -hmm. uh, but that, you know, lived in the US, um, in Minnesota and one other mm -hmm. place. Prostitutes are still working in Luton's high town. Residents say not enough has been done to tackle the problem. That's despite a major crackdown by authorities over the past three months. This woman lives in the area. As far as I'm concerned, living on this block, nothing has changed. Between half past nine and four in the morning, they break the bin-up window, they climb through, they have punters there all night, screaming, shouting. They're outside my kitchen window all night long. I don't know whether they're taking their drugs or whatever they're doing. And then they're calling punters' names if they've done a runner on them. Well, after a council meeting last night, plans now have been approved to rid the area of street prostitutes. Street cleaners in Luton were left in the dark over the fate of their jobs at a council meeting last night. 18 workers faced redundancy but were excluded from the meeting just before the decision was made. Political reporter Paul Scoynes has more. The workers turned up to hear the council executive make their decision on the future of the 18 positions, but were told the item would be held in secret, known as going into closure. It's not uncommon for councils to hear some parts of the agenda in private, especially if it concerns contracts, that the workers were furious at being told to leave. The council agenda only makes a passing reference to the item, but it's thought the authority needs to save £370,000 a year from its street cleaning services. Residents in St Albans have been complaining that some of their recycling bins are not getting emptied. A new system means cardboard is now left separately in a smaller bin, which people say is not big enough. Barry Caffrey reports. In the past, cardboard was placed with general recycling in a green wheelie bin. Now it has to be placed into a smaller bin, which people say is not big enough. As a result, they are leaving cardboard loose next to the bins, but there have been complaints that the new bins are not always being emptied and loose cardboard is also being left behind. Residents are now being advised to take pictures of the uncollected rubbish and send them into the council. In sport, Watford are in action this evening. The Hornets take on Premier League side Norwich at Vicarage Road in round three of the League Cup. Meanwhile, Luton are in conference action at Woking. And your weather for beds, hearts and books this morning. Mist and fog will lift to allow some sunny spells. It should be bright this afternoon and a warm day once again. A top temperature of 21 degrees Celsius. That's 70 degrees Fahrenheit. And don't forget, you can get all your latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Richard. I had an horrific day yesterday. After I left the show and went home, I had an horrific day. I'll tell you what happened later. It was horrific. It involved an animal's head and a brick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Disgusting. Funks hanging out with the boys, but that bit was... Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including as a woman from Buckinghamshire is rumoured to be involved. We'll have the latest on the situation in Kenya. Residents of Hightown in Luton are still not happy with what's being done to combat prostitution in the area, despite a major crackdown by authorities over the past three months. And The Sun asks a rather incredible question today in its um, me section. Do tattoos give you cancer? Well, it's a genuine question, I know. The answer, probably no, but that's not what we're asking today. I, I, I've never got tattoos. I think they look trashy and sleazy and... Can you say slutty after the, uh, the UKIP made it popular? No, we can't. OK, that's fine. 
Doesn't that look horrible, horrible, horrible? Why would anybody have a tattoo done? Would you give a job to someone who's got tattoos all over their arms? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555. The Kenyan foreign minister says a British woman who has allegedly taken part in a terror in terrorist activity many times before was among those attackers who laid siege to a Kenyan shopping mall. The comment from Amina Mohammed is fueling speculation that it's Samantha Luthwaite from Aylesbury who was married to the July the 7th bomber Jermaine Lindsay. A spokesperson for the British Foreign and Commonwealth Office says they won't be drawn on the identity of the attack whilst an investigation is ongoing. Well, at least 62 people died, including six Britons, during the attack, which is thought to have been carried out by the Somali group Al-Shabaab. In March last year, officials say Samantha Luthwaite fled to Somalia and that officers were hunting a woman who used several identities, including hers. Well, the front page of the Daily uh, Daily Mail did White Widow die in siege. She's all over other newspapers, uh, including the Times. MI5 hunts f- uh, for Britons linked to terror attacks. Well, the Kenyan interior minister is Joseph Olelenku. The terrorists could be running and hiding in some store somewhere or something, but all flaws now are under our control. I also confirm... We have fully cordoned the building so that there is no room for escape. Well, um, the UK Foreign Office says it's aware the involvement of a British woman in the attack is being investigated. More details have emerged about the uh, moment the group, armed with assault rifles and grenades, stormed the complex on Saturday lunchtime. Dr Sinil uh, Deva is an orthodontist who runs a clinic there. I saw about 12 bodies on the uh, rooftop. And, you know, there was a tent where a cookery competition for children was carrying on and there were bodies lying under there. There's a very famous radio presenter in Kenya, an Asian lady. She was shot and, you know, oh, the scene was carnage. And Kamal Carr was caught up in the first wave of attacks on Saturday. I was the last one out of there. Um, and as soon as we came out, there were ambulances and everything there. So my first instinct was to look for my kids because I had no idea where they were. Went running out looking in the ambulances, and I was being shoved into an ambulance as well. You, you need, I had blood all over. So they thought, I'm hurt. I'm like, no, I have to look for my kids. And they shoved me into an ambulance, and I saw both my kids there. The relief I felt, I didn't know what to do. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We'll have more on that a little bit later, uh, later on. Now, uh, very rarely, quite often doing radio, you get sent compact discs by local bands, big bands, rubbish bands and James Blunt. They generally always, as far as I'm concerned, end up in the bin, so don't bother sending them to me. Apart from today, I got sent a CD today. I'm kind of, and I know it's not BBC etiquette, I'm kind of tempted to play it. Uh, Kelly Betts and producer Tara, if I were to say the names, well, okay, who would you say are Britain's greatest songwriters in terms of really summing up what it feels like to be British. Let's start with you, producer Tara. Bee Gees. 
<laughs> what song have they sung about being British? Oh yeah, Massachusetts and New York mining disaster 1941. That really captures the feel of being British, doesn't it? They just inserted the names for other countries. For other, it could be any. It could be anywhere in this in this country. Kelly Betts, who would you say? I'm thinking of things that you would play. Yeah. So the Beatles, yep. Monkeys, right? Well, they've not Beach got Boys. Okay, well, Beach Boys sing about California. So again, you've not. Let me ask the question again. Maybe maybe just let's ask a different one. Let me ask Justin. Justin. Yes. Which British singer-songwriters do you think really sum up what it's like to be British? Probably Chris Farlow. Sorry? Chris Farlow. What did he do? Well, out of time, 1966, the UK's number one. When we won the World Cup, you can't get more British than that. but that song isn't... You're out of time, baby. Baby, Mm. you're out of time. That isn't really sum up being British. Okay. um, Give us a lyric, then, to help us. um, Gertrude. Is that British? Yeah. Chaz and Dave. Yay! Legends. I've got the new Chaz and Dave single. I'll play it. Please just play it. Producer Tara, your your face is, is seems to be in contradiction <laughs> with what Justin has just ordered there. What? I've got a cold. I need to blow my nose. <laughs> Have you checked it for swearing and bad language and filth? No, yeah, I haven't. Okay. I mean, let's, should we play it, Jazz? Yeah, yeah, do it. Okay, well, let's, uh, I'll come back to you afterwards. We'll have yeah. a little... Uh, we'll little bit on, yeah? Very, very nice. We'll have a little chatsy about it. Here we go. Here's the new one from Chaz and Dave. Oh, hang on a second. I don't, it can't, Justin, it doesn't work! You well, press make play. It work. No, I'm pressing play. I need to... Oh, for goodness sake. This is, uh, Get somebody in there quickly. Quick, I need you to come and set up the CD player to work. Someone's messed around with it. Someone's messed around with I'll my buttons. Tony Blackburn from two weeks, two weeks ago. Is, well, I, I do hope the bosses have received my email asking Tony Blackburn never to be permitted back in this place, <laughs> for goodness sakes. Why would he come in and mess up my studio like this? I've got no idea. Let's try it now. Here we go. Kelly Betts is uh, stood next to me. Just press the play button. Which hasn't Dave anyway? Which means- Here we go. There, yeah, come on. Sorry? So I've put Radio 4 on in Pro- here. Producer Tara, what, what do you think? You're enjoying it, aren't you? Well, I think right now I'd probably enjoy it more if I'd had a bit to drink. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Your world was made up of things sweet and good. 
wish it could Two hearts lie in shambles And oh, how we'd cry That's what happens When two worlds collide <laughs> It sounds like my granddad And he's been dead for ten years should have checked that one. Okay, well, okay, listen, it's good to play It's good to play new music. Maybe that can go on to BBC Introducing, Kelly Betts. That doesn't sound new or like music. That, Ta- was, oh, that was awful. Tara's te- producer Tara's texting someone. Is it that bad? She's resigning. <laughs> Is that... Justin, what... Justin, what... I thought that was wonderful. <laughs> That's what, what happens when two worlds collide. What is there not to like about that? I tell you what, let's put, I tell you what, listen, it, the, the BBC is owned by the public. It, mm. It's not, but let's pretend it is. Let's put it out to the public. Do we make that our record of the week? <laughs> Track of the week. Chaz and Dave. 08459 455 555. Dear listener, it's up to you. Does that become record of the week? If we don't hear from you, I'm going I'm to take that as a tacit approval, and that means it will. So, 08459 455 555. Do you want to hear Chaz and Dave uh, when two worlds collide every day this week? Course Dear listener, do. of course they do. Of course they do. Of course they do. Feel good music. Kelly, has anybody phoned in yet? No. It's looking likely we're going to be playing it every day. <laughs> feel, feel good music. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Justin, what are you up to this morning? Uh, going to be talking about tattoos yep. um, and also talking about things which uh, motorists just can't stand. Uh, the things that that other motorists do that really wind you up. For me personally, it's always been people on the handheld mobile phones. But this morning, I'll uh, be talking to motorists and finding out what really gets their goat <laughs> on the handheld mobile phones. Yeah, All right, true. Granddad. <laughs> those, those, those darned pocket telephones are everywhere oh, these days. They, they are, aren't they? Justin, Terrible. no one's calling in, so I think Chaz. And Dave have got the thumbs up. Excellent. Give so, my thumbs up. S- same time tomorrow then. Brilliant. Ta ta. 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Things looking pretty clear on the main routes through the three counties. Looking at the M25 on the cameras, there's no delays going into the roadwork section quite yet this morning. Things moving well between Junction 23, 23 and 25, so from the A1M at South Mims round toward the A10 at Enfield. We're also looking good as you make your way into London. The A1 through Boreham Wood, no delays yet on the sensors, and the A40 coming off the end of the M40 and past Uxbridge is also running well. Roadworks not causing hold-ups in Milton Keynes, though we're expecting delays later on because the A5 does tend to get quite busy coming down to the McDonald's roundabout at Watling Street and the A4146 there. They're still doing junction improvement works. And if you're driving through Dagnall, the Dagnall Road, they're doing water main work and it's at the junction with the B4540. Trains and tubes running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 616, it's Tuesday the 24th of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Investigations continue to establish whether the British woman involved in the Kenyan terrorist attack is Samantha Luthwaite from Aylesbury, who was married to the July 7th bomber, Jermaine Lindsay. Residents living in the Hightown area of Luton say more still needs to be done to tackle street prostitution. 
Last night, councils met and approved a plan to rid the area of prostitution. And in sport, Watford are in League Cup action against Premier League side Norwich this evening. Coming up, should we continue to play that fantastic new single by Chaz and Dave? 08459 455 555. If you don't call in, I will assume, as is my right, that you're giving it a tacit thumbs up, and therefore we will hear it every day. I hope we do. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine, the biggest local talking points. There is only one professional force that can control chemical weapons. How can we, as a civilised country, stand by and let more poor innocent children get killed? The JVS Show. Harry's in Bedford. Let's see what Harry wants to say. She knew what the laws were. She knew what she was doing. She got caught tough. I disagree with the penalty. I think that for smuggling drugs, it shouldn't be a death penalty. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, Lynn and Hemel has uh, been in touch with BBC Three Counties Radio saying, Ian, that song was fantastic. Keep on playing it, please. So, Lynn, thank you for that. A few more votes, and that will guarantee it's a slot every day this week. I don't know why you think that you could help me when you couldn't get by by yourself. And I don't know who would ever want to tell the scene of someone's dream. He said that we should just be friends While well, I came up with that line And I'm sure that it's for the best If you ever change your mind Don't hold your breath Cause you may not believe That baby I'm relieved When you said goodbye It's my turn to fly So girls get in line Cause I'm easy no playing this guy like a fool Now I'm alright You might have had me caged before But not tonight And you may not Cause if it 
overthink I'll take up my time with thinking of I'll break up Then you've got another thing coming your way Cause it's a beautiful day We're talking tattoos this morning, and um, I'm trying to find... We, we had a lady on the show once, thank you, Michael, who uh, had lots of tattoos, uh, including some rather rude ones on her head. I've just found her. I'll send the link over to uh, my team. It's, um, she, uh, it really is an unpleasant... I mean, I, I know she takes it to the extreme, but it really is a rather unpleasant. We'll talk about tattoos uh, in a little bit. But before that, some residents in St Albans have been complaining that their recycling bins are not getting collected. The council have recently changed the way they handle cardboard, with it now having to be put into a smaller caddy bin, whereas before it was placed with general recycling in a green wheelie bin. Well, some people say the new bins are too small, and even when left outside to be collected, some crews don't touch it. Well, Penny Carr lives in St Albans and is not happy with the changes. Penny, what are you unhappy about? I think the fact that the changes have been made have been very poorly communicated to local residents. So people don't like change if they don't understand why they're having to do it as a starting point. So what changes that have been made and, and, and the, the, the specifically affecting you? Um, what it is is um, cardboard rubbish used to go in your big green wheelie bin along with food waste and garden waste. So everyone knew, knew what they were doing locally, people were used to it. The change now is that your cardboard waste goes in one of the boxes that we get, the same boxes that you put glass recycling in, plastic recycling and paper recycling. Boxes much smaller than the green bin, people have to go to a lot more work themselves to actually compact all the cardboard that they get. And at the same time, the council also introduced a second change, which is a good one, in that we can recycle more plastics locally. So things like yoghurt pots, margarine tubs, that sort of thing. But they also go in these plastic boxes, the same boxes that we're also having to squeeze all our cardboard into now. The maths just doesn't work. We, it, we need to go back, really, to putting the cardboard back in the big green recycling bin. So is it purely the fact that you can't fit everything into this smaller box? Um, it's not just that. It's also the fact that um, we get recycling collections here every fortnight. So if you've got a lot of cardboard recycling in between, so like it was my son's birthday at the weekend, we've got quite a few boxes with things in, where do you put that cardboard in between? If it won't fit in your box, you're allowed to stack it up under your box and the council will supposedly collect it, although some residents find they don't always do that. But then you're leaving the cardboard out in the rain all week to get soggy and come bin day, you're having to pick up piles of soggy cardboard and carry them to the curbside. That's not encouraging people to recycle, is it? Have, have you got um, a porch or a shed or, or, or somewhere that you could, could leave the, the cardboard? Not really, not without having to go even further out of my way. And when you've got two small kids trying to lug around boxes of recycling once a week whilst juggling the kids and spotting them running into the road isn't easy anyway. I mean, it's possible, but it just seems to me that it's, in, it's increasing the barriers to entry for recycling, making people have to do a lot more work. And when you're trying to increase recycling in the district, it seems a bit of a backward step to me. Do you know of people who've left out cardboard and it hasn't got collected? Yes, I've got friends who've done that, and I've seen pictures on Twitter, people actually locally tweeting pictures of piles of cardboard that haven't been picked up, or piles of cardboard that have actually started blowing down the street because the bin men have picked up the boxes that were on top of them and left the piles there. And the, the green wheelie bins that you, you mentioned, do you think they're being underused? I think in the winter they are, because now they're just for food waste and garden waste. 
and it's a fact of life that not as many people are out doing gardening now that the weather has started to change. So in the winter, I can see that some fortnights you'll just have your food waste in the bottom of them. And also now that we have to use, um, you have to use paper bags to put that food waste in, those bags start to disintegrate and then you start attracting maggots as well, which obviously isn't very nice for people. No one, no one wants maggots, Penny. Listen, thank you very much for coming on so early in the morning. Penny Carr, resident of St Albans, and later on we'll be hearing from St Albans uh, City and District Council to find out what they have to say on this. You can have uh, your say on this as well, of course. 08459 455 555. You can also go to the uh, Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr, uh, or you can send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Shall we, I'm just going to sneak in a little bit of beach boys shall we do that if i can get this computer to work shall we uh yes why don't we it'll be rude not to i think let's go there 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 bish bash bosh Flooding in on Chaz and Dave. Let's just pick two at random, shall we? Uh, d- a vote from me for Chaz and Dave. Says Dave in Kempston. I'm suspicious. 
But Nick's, Nick and Hitchin says, put that Chaz and Dave seed in the bin. It's rubbish. They are Britain's premier songwriters. Oh, we'll do no such thing. 08459 four double five five double five. It's uh, BBC Three Counties, Counties Radio. Let's get the latest travel news now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Some roadworks in Mark Yates, Buckwood Road, and it's at the junction with the High Street. They're doing them for the next couple of days. They should be wrapped up tomorrow. Things moving nicely as you drive through Cholton this morning. This despite the works on the Luton Road, the B579. They're doing works at the junction with Cholton Heights. Through Beaconsfield, some delays on and off throughout this week. Not yet today, but it's likely to get slow again along Dorney Hill, the A355. This is as you come through Beaconsfield from Burnham Road down toward Hare Hatch Lane, near Dorney Bottom, coming down toward the A40. On the M40, you've got narrow lanes and a 50 mile an hour speed restriction. This is around Junction 7 at Tame. And it's been getting a little slow through there some mornings as well. But again, so far today, so good. M25 moving nicely. No other trouble that I can see on the cameras or the sensors. And the train departure board's showing a good service. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.30, the headlines. I'm Richard Williams. Kenya's foreign minister has said some of the militants who attacked a Nairobi shopping centre were American citizens and a British woman may have also been involved. It's unconfirmed yet if the woman is Samantha Luthwaite from Aylesbury. The security forces say they are now in control of the building after a near three-day siege. Prostitutes are still working in Luton's high town. Residents say not enough is being done to tackle the problem. That's despite a major crackdown by authorities over the last three months. And street cleaners in Luton were left in the dark over their jobs after a council meeting last night. 18 workers faced redundancy but were excluded from the meeting just before the decision was made. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford are in action this evening. The Hornets take on Premier League side Norwich at Vicarage Road in round three of the League Cup. And manager Gianfranco Zola is expected to make changes and new loan signing Josh McKestran should be involved. Zola welcomes a chance to play top flight opposition. It's a good challenge for, 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 for our players like it was last year against uh, Manchester City. Mm. We want to see where we stand right now and I think it would be a great opportunity for, for some of our young players also to, to see the standard where we, we need to get. Luton could have striker Paul Benson and defender Alex Lacey back for tonight's conference match at Woking. Skipper Ronnie Henry will also play despite an argument with supporter after the win over Lincoln. Henry believes negative comments from some of the fans is affecting young players' development at Kenworth Road. So does Hatter's boss John still agree? I don't know completely and I can't say yet whether their development has been affected or not. I, I can't because they're not far enough up the line. But... Tell me anyone, anyone, that enjoys abuse. And there's commentary on both Watford and Luton's games tonight on BBC Three Counties Radio. Leighton Orient's perfect start to the season continues. Russell Slade slide beat Brentford 2-0 at Griffin Park last night. That makes them eight wins out of eight in League One. The former World Snooker champion Sean Murphy has called for Stephen Lee to be given a lifetime ban. Lee was found guilty on seven charges of match-fixing last week in what the sport's governing body called the worst case of corruption it had ever seen. He'll be sentenced later today and Murphy says Lee should never play again. 
I think things do need to be looked at as to why he found himself in a position where he felt the need to cheat. But ultimately, you know, as a professional sportsman, he's not just defrauded himself. He's defrauded the game and its members and its reputation. And for that, I don't think we should ever see Stephen Lee play professional snooker again. That's all your sport. There's more at seven. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. You sheltered me from harm, kept me warm, kept me warm. You gave my life to me, set me free, set me free. Beautiful. Not as good as the Chaz and Dave, but it's still a beautiful song. Now, street cleaners in Luton were forbidden from hearing the fate of their jobs at a council meeting last night. 
the jobs of 18 workers were being decided at the executive meeting in the town, but the public was excluded from the meeting just before the decision was made. Well, Tom Bainbridge, a Luton street cleaner facing redundancy, told our political reporter Paul Scoynes he was furious. I think it's disgusting that people are fighting for their jobs. You've got people out there, and there's, there's one of our crews now. These people come in at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning. Where are these councillors at 5 o'clock in the morning when we're out here cleaning this stuff? Where are they when they're cleaning up people's sick? We've got human beings now in this town, believe it or not. Human waste is on the floor. We have to clean that. But they don't see that. The people that go to work in the morning in their suits and their nice clean clothes don't see that because we've already cleaned it. That's what we do for a living. And they're trying to cut us back. For £16,000 a year? Yeah. Yeah? A year. And these people are £130,000 a year, £80,000 a year. Plus expenses. Plus expenses, plus bloody driving and everything else. We don't get paid that. We go and clean the dog's rubbish, the human rubbish, the beer cans. We have to get out there and clean it. They don't care. As long as they see in a clean town, they're quite happy. They're not going to have a clean town if they cut all the cleaners, are they? They cut us back. It's simple. They're not going to have it, are then they? Then they're going to walk out in the morning that. and they're going to see everything. Then they're going to get disgusted. Well, that was Tom Bainbridge, a Luton street cleaner, speaking to Paul Scoynes. Paul joins him in the studio. Obviously very strong feelings about this. Yeah, that's right, Ian. I mean, at the meeting last night, several things uh, were there being discussed, but this was uh, sort of the, the, the thing that the public turned up to, if you like, and... Um, uh, you know the, the the cleaners are about a dozen of them uh, were there from the Unite Union and uh, uh, and they were pretty upset when they were told that they were going to have to leave. Well, this is what I don't understand. Why were they stopped from attending that part of the meeting that was relevant? To well, them? that part of the meeting in the executive meeting they have uh, what's called the yellow pages because those are the pages of the. Uh, agenda that don't get published to the public they're the private ones so they might contain confidential contract information they might contain some you know individual names which wouldn't be appropriate the council say uh, to be held in the public domain and that was one of the areas uh, that was going to be discussed and and the 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 workers felt well we are employees of the council we're not the public so i mean that's usual for the press to sort of we all have to go at that point yeah um and 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 you know that's normal but the the public the the workers were feeling that well these are our jobs being discussed we should at least be able to listen to the discussion about the future of our of our careers what the position of the council uh the position of the council is that they are going to well we we don't know because i wasn't able to hear what was going on my understanding is from several sources that the decision did go through 18 jobs will be lost so that will reduce the number of street cleaners in newton to 65 it's around about a, a quarter of the jobs gone and and the council say well they've got to make some savings i think it's around three hundred and seventy thousand pounds mm. a year from the budget of the street cleaners but the street cleaners though say is that you know that will affect immediately the look of the town and we'll turn it into you know, as you heard some of those comments there you know the the things that we don't like to see in the morning that mm. happen overnight uh, will still be there we were talking about um, litter on the streets of uh, luton i think last week and and there are some places in luton already that perhaps 
uh, are not as clean as they once were. We were talking about rats in, in, in parts of, of the town. That problem can only get worse, can't it, if, if, if people are losing their jobs? That's what the street cleaners claim. And they say that the, when, when this happened before, under a different uh, uh, sort of system, um, they were forced to bring in agency staff to, to sort of man the difference because the town got so dirty they had to clean it in some way. And so... What they're saying here is this is a bit of a false economy. You you have you get rid of the street cleaners, or you know a, a large percentage mm. of the street cleaners. Uh, you end up with a dirty town, and that then you know makes people less likely to invest. It makes it less attractive to businesses to come here. Uh, and what they were also saying is that you know with the opening of the busway today you're going to get even more people coming into Luton. So what are you going to do? You're going to have a situation where you've got a nice new you know, transport infrastructure in the town, but no-one wants to come here because it's too dirty. Do we have a timescale for this? Do we know when these jobs are going to go? Well, technically, by the end of the financial year, so March. Right. But the uh, unions are saying that they're being asked, invited, if you like, to apply for redundancy earlier, which would, of course, then make those savings uh, mm. achieved a bit quicker. Paul, thank you very much for that. Well, later this morning, we'll speak to the councillor in charge of the uh, environment at Luton Borough Council. Did I, just moving off onto a slight tangent, if you don't mind, mm. indulging no, me. No, no, that's, that's did I, Have I told you about my horrific day yesterday? Well, I heard about it. I had an horrific day. An horrific day. An horrific day. Yeah. I, I came home from work, hmm. and my boys were jumping around all excited with big, big grins on their faces. So, boys, boys, what's going on? Daddy, daddy, we've got a new pet. Thinking, oh, hang on a second. What? what no, we haven't. We've got a cat. We've got a rabbit. Both of which are getting on my nerves a bit at the moment. What, mm. We've got a vole. <laughs> a vole? I've never seen a vole. <laughs> I didn't know what a vole was. And my wife went, yeah, we've, th- there was a vole on the kitchen floor this wow. morning. And so I went, I, I went and, and it was out in the garden. And it was, it was a tiny baby vole. It was about that big. Right. About two inches. And um, it, had, it was lying on its back in obvious agony. Oh. Just moving its arms and its little mouth was going, please, someone have the sense to help me. And my, boy, it, it, my cat had brought it in. Oh. And I was, I was quite p- pleased to think that my cat, 14 years old, can still do it. Yeah. Uh, and she brought this vole in and it obviously snapped its spinal cord. Oh. Uh, so my boys, um, uh, t- to help it get better... They did what any person would do. They put it on a magnifying glass and put leaves around it. Humane. Exactly. And my eldest is going, um, it's nearly died, it's nearly alive. That rhymes. And I was going, well, technically it's not a rhyme. We'll deal with that later. <laughs> uh, and they said, can we keep it? <laughs> Why wouldn't you want it? And I had to say to my wife, sort of mouth my wife, we've got to get rid of this. God, get rid of this vulture. I'm not doing it. So I said, boys, why don't you go in and uh, watch um, a Mr. Maker, mm-hmm. CBB's programme, excellent, and um, I'll, Daddy will make a coffee and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. So they went, <laughs> don't laugh, this is horrible. So they went into the, um, into the living room, put Mr. Maker on. Actually, it was a giggle biz, which is very, very funny. Details. Um, and I picked up the uh, magnifying glass, I took it into the garage, I shut the door behind me, I tipped the uh, vole onto the floor and it's just like this go please please somebody there was a house brick in there uh-huh. and i God, you didn't awful. use the magnifying glass no i didn't the magnifying glass was, was not part of this right. anymore now that's out of the story and i, I actually said i'm so sorry <laughs> for this oh. <laughs> three times oh. three times i bashed a vole's head in with a brick they have a su- and I do, I do apologise young ears listening they have a surprising amount of blood in them well I think it was the right thing to do Ian 
who was, you know... It, was it? It was the mature thing to do. Shouldn't have taken it to the vets or, or put a lolly stick on its back? I don't think so. Or just put it in the bin. No. That's made me feel a lot better, Paul. Thanks. Mm. You, Paul, did, you did the right thing. Paul Scoyne's our humane correspondent. Thank you, Paul. 08459 555. Have you ever had to kill an animal? Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Slow now this morning on the A1M southbound past Stevenage at Junction 7. Also busy as you go into London along the A1 through Boreham Wood, Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. In Harpenden, St Albans Road, the A1081, slow moving on the northbound side just after Station Road. M25 anti-clockwise building up steadily. Waltham Abbey to Enfield as traffic goes into the roadworks and from the M1 round to the A41, Junction 21 to 20, looking quite busy as well. Trains and tubes, though, they are still running well. No major issues. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. I'm hearing the most terrific story now from Paul Scoynes about when he saw someone stamping a kangaroo to death. This really is... What a horrific morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. I can only apologise. Moving swiftly on, it's 6.45, it's Tuesday, the 24th of September. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Kenya's foreign minister has said two or three Americans and a British woman were among a group of Islamist militants who stormed a shopping centre in Nairobi on Saturday, killing more than 60 people. It is unconfirmed yet if the British woman is Samantha Luthwaite from Buckinghamshire. Residents of Hightown in Luton say not enough is being done to combat prostitution in the area, despite a major crackdown by authorities over the past three months. In sport, Watford Watford are in League Cup action against Norwich of Vicarage Road this evening. And coming up, what annoys you about Justin Dealey? No, hang on, what annoys you about other drivers Justin Dealey will be finding out? Yes, that's it. But before that, let's get the weather. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. The weather is on its way. I've been told that the weather department are so disturbed by these stories of vole and kangaroo murder that they're reluctant to come on. I think, I'm hoping we can coax them that, that the whole show won't be about, um, well, not necessarily cruelty to animals, but putting them out of their misery. Let's see what happens, shall we? Good morning. Well, it's rather a misty and murky start to the day. We've got plenty of mist and fog patches. Some of them are really quite dense as well. So much so that the Met Office has issued a yellow weather warning for the fog. It's valid until nine o'clock this morning. Now, like I said, some of it dense and some of it stubborn. It's going to take a while for this to burn back, if in fact it does. If it does, it's going to go to low cloud first. We may get some sunnier spells through the afternoon. Maximum temperature, though, again, another warm one. 21 Celsius, 70 degrees in Fahrenheit. Overnight, a repeat performance. Some mist and fog patches likely. More widespread, however, overnight tonight. But it's another mild night, minimum down to 12 or 13 Celsius. So a similar start to Wednesday. Uh, but again, it should start to brighten up in the afternoon. And the temperature's staying relatively warm for the time of year, of course, at around 20 Celsius right the way through until the end of the week. And that's your forecast. Thank you very much. Original British drama on BBC One. What is this place? You're in Atlantis. You were drawn here by forces so powerful that they stretch between the worlds. The legend begins. Who am I? Jason. 
Whoever heard of a hero called Jason? Now, Hercules, that's a name to father a legend. I'm forgetting my manners. I'm Pythagoras. They've released the hunting lines. Who the hell has hunting lines? You're not like other men. You realize that. What do you mean? Atlantis. I don't understand my place in this world. Starts Saturday night at 8.25 on BBC One and BBC One HD. Why?
make some excellent music today on BBC Three Counties Radio. I think you'll agree. Morning, this is Ian Lee. Now, what annoys you about other drivers? There's a survey of 2,000 motorists. They found that 60% feel stressed when driving, and they feel that the, the morning commute is the most stressful point of their life. My morning commute is wonderful. Oh, I love coming into work. Half past four in the morning on the M25 is wonderful. Peaceful, silent, misty today. Other things that annoy them include uh, people watching as you park, bird poop on your windscreen, and even the uh, need to uh, fill up with petrol. Well, Justin Dealey, you're annoying. Uh, what have people been saying to you this morning? The need to fill up with petrol. That annoys people. Well, oh, it, it is. All my tanks run out. I need to fill up. Well, it is a bit of a pain, I think. The thing that annoys me, I, I, I hate people watching me park. I really do. But mm. is the, the, the idiot drivers at petrol stations who don't realise that um, the cable that the petrol comes out of, the tube, is long enough to now go around a car. So they'll have their petrol tank on the left-hand side uh, and they'll wait for ages for a petrol pump that'll allow them to pull it. It, it, it fits around. You can mm. go to any of those pumps and it pull it over. Well, do you know what? I would happen to agree on my car because I think we've both got quite small vehicles. However, uh, and this could be one for your listeners this morning, but, but on certain vehicles, the vehicles that are so big or so tall that you can't actually get... Uh-uh. Uh, you can't get it around the other side. Uh-uh. You can't do it. That's uh, Mr Babbage going, uh-uh, wrong. No, I think wrong. I'm right on this one. No, well, you're, you are actually... <laughs> are you doing this deliberately to wind me No, up? I'm not. I'm not. Seriously, with, with my vehicle, yes, I, I can fill up my car. It doesn't really matter what pump I go to. But, for example, uh, this vehicle I'm driving today, uh, the radio car, it's a Peugeot 807. Mm. It's a large vehicle. You can't get yes. the pump round the other side. You can't do that. You Somebody can, will back me up. No, uh, well, 08459 455 555 can you back me up because what you need to do then just is you need mm. to move forward a bit so it goes round the back of the vehicle possibly well no definitely I mean so some of these older petrol stations uh, the, the pumps aren't that long <laughs> no I'm being serious about this you're annoying me now you're such an idiot no I'm not there were these older petrol stations yes. what 1940s petrol stations no. are you driving <laughs> to if you pull forward the pump will come round the back of the vehicle not on all vehicles it's not long enough. Some of the cars are too wide and too tall. You can't get it uh, round. Y- right. you, you're widening producer Tara up now. She's not easily uh, fussed about things. Oh, okay. Wait, four, well, five, wh- no- why, why is it then? Oh. Why is it then? When you go to a petrol station, some people are obsessed by filling up their vehicle oh. on the side of where the pump is. That's oh. because they can't get it round the other side. No, it's because I'll tell you why, Justin, because they are idiots. 08459 oh, 455555. Can you back me up on this? There is no vehicle, apart from maybe a truck, where you cannot pull the pump around to the other side. It seems obvious. <laughs> anyway, listen, well, you, you've been talking to people about this. Yes, um, I've been talking to motorists Another this morning. Another thing that annoys me yeah, go is people who don't follow their sat-navs and say it's only five minutes away, 20 minutes later you're still not there. Are you talking about my driving I'm specifically referring to you, yes. Mm, That was the sat-nab, not me. Uh, So, this morning I've been uh, asking motorists about what makes them angry. Here's what people have had to say. My nerves this morning. Uh, In consideration, if you're trying to pull out the side of a a road and and someone might let you in, it's a whole line of traffic, um, that sort of thing annoys me. Lack of indication. That's the big one for you. That's the big one, especially on the motorways. That's not so much around town, but on the motorways. Driving a coach or lorry, then you can see a lot of things... If you go on A406, you can see a lot of people texting and driving on the phone as well. As a professional coach driver, you can see I've got Bluetooth. My phone is there. I'm not going to touch the phone. If I see the number, if I answer it, I press this button. Otherwise, I don't touch anything. Taxi drivers, no indicators. A bit stereotypical, blaming them the taxi drivers, isn't it? Is it? But in is your it? experience, they're the worst. Yeah. 
definitely. Foul language. Foul language? Foul language. I mean, as a lady, are people swearing at you all the time on the roads then? Um, I've had people try and intimidate me off the road and use foul language. That's what I hate the most. I mean, obviously we can't go into it, but um, how bad is this language on a scale of 1 to 10? Is it really as bad as I think it might be? Um, yeah, it's a 10, actually. How does that make you feel when people are swearing at you? I'm at an age now where I just laugh. It must hurt a bit, though, surely? You no, seem like a nice person. No, because when you laugh, they feel stupid. It's fascinating. Swearing <laughs> hasn't popped up so far, but I'll take it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Well, there we go. That's what annoyed me yesterday, Just. Yeah, go on, boss. I was um, I parked up in a little sort of pan display um, near my boy's nursery, took the kids to uh, play on the swings for a little bit yesterday, and then we got in the car, and I had to reverse out, <laughs> and I didn't see that there was a car that had stopped near me. Not directly behind me, but near mm. me, okay? Mm. So I, I kind of stopped, and I put my hand up and said, sorry, mate, didn't see you. And he just looked at me and went... Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. And he shook his head. Oh dear, oh dear. And then he was reversing into a parking space. Okay, so we got in the parking space. And then just as I was coming up, he pulled out in front of me to straighten up. And I thought, you plum. You massive plum. What an idiot. So I I wound down my window and very slowly shook my head and went, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. (laughs) And lorry drivers, lorry drivers, don't flash me when you're going to allow me to pull in front of you. I will pull in front of you when it is safe, not when you have flashed me. I'm glad that you've got that out in the open this morning. Tattoos, Just. Yes. Can you go and find out what people think about these horrible, horrible, crass, disgusting things? Why are they so horrible? I think they're common, they're cheap, they're nasty, and uh, I just think they're, they're thoroughly unpleasant, and most people who have them should know better. Oh, yes, I shall uh, go onto the streets and uh, find out what people think about tattoos. Clear um, what, what you think about them, anyway. Yes, thank you. That, yeah. Almost as clear as that sentence. Yeah, thank you. Ta-ta. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Slow on the M1 southbound from Junction 10 past Luton Airport toward 9 at the A5 at Redbourne. A1M looking quite busy southbound around Stevenage, Junction 7. Then in London, delays through Boreham Wood on the A1 as you make your way from Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. Harpenden is looking quite busy on the speed sensors on the A1081. This is as you go past Station Road. Chalfont St Peter, a little bit busy on the A413 this morning, just before the junction with the Kingsway. Then you have the patches of traffic on the M25. It's steadily getting slower. Anti-clockwise, Waltham Abbey to Enfield into the roadworks. Then St Albans to Kings Langley, junction 21A to 20. And from Maple Cross to the M40, junction 17 to 16. Trains and tubes running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up, we'll have the latest on Kenya. The guided busway in Luton opens today. Sing hosannas. And tattoos, really. Oh, they're horrible, aren't they? Let's get the news now. Here's Richard Williams. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. I'm Richard Williams. The headlines, Buckinghamshire woman amongst terror suspects, plan to rid street prostitution in Luton a step closer and street cleaners in the dark over jobs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Kenya's foreign minister said two or three Americans and a British woman were among the group of Islamist militants who stormed a shopping centre in Nairobi on Saturday, killing more than 60 people. British authorities are investigating if one of the attackers is Samantha Luthwaite from Buckinghamshire, who was married to the July 7th bomber Jermaine Lindsay. The Kenyan foreign minister, Amina Mohammed, explained what was known about some of the attackers. From the information that we have, two or three Americans, um, and I think... So far, I've heard of one Brit. And the Brit was a British-born woman? Woman. Woman. And uh, she's, I think, done this many times before. The Americans, uh, from, from the information we have, are young men, about um, between maybe 18 and 19, of Somali origin or Arab origin, mm-hmm. uh, but that, you know, lived in the U.S., um, in Minnesota and one other mm-hmm. place. Residents of Hightown in Luton say not enough is being done to tackle prostitution in the area, despite a major crackdown by authorities over the past three months. The council met last night to rubber stamp its plans to rid the area of street prostitutes. Shazad Kazam is a local shopkeeper who can, runs a campaign to clean up the area. He says you can see a difference. It's not enough to what we were promised, that there will be a whole month of operations. We never got a whole month. When they were out, the police were making a difference. I think, you know, they can't look at it that they're going to spread it over five years. They should look at eradicating it as soon as possible and putting as much resources available to them on a regular basis. Residents in St Albans have been complaining that some of their recycling bins are not getting emptied. A new system means cardboard is now left separately in a smaller bin, which people say is not big enough. Speaking to Ian earlier, local resident Penny Carr said the council had got their estimates wrong. People have to go to a lot more work themselves to actually compact all the cardboard that they get. And at the same time, the council also introduced a second change, which is a good one, in that we can recycle more plastics locally. So things like yogurt pots, margarine tubs, that sort of thing. But they also go in these plastic boxes, the same boxes that we're also having to squeeze all our cardboard into now. The maths just doesn't work. People don't like change if they don't understand why they're having to do it. Street cleaners in Luton were left in the dark over the fate of their jobs at a council meeting last night. 18 workers faced redundancy but were excluded from the meeting just before the decision was made. And in sport, Watford are in action this evening. The Hornets take on Premier League side Norwich at Vicarage Road in round three of the League Cup. Meanwhile, Luton are in conference action at Woking. And the weather for beds, hearts and bucks today. Mist will lift this morning to leave relatively a bright and sunny day. It will be warm as well. A top temperature of 21 degrees Celsius. That's 70 degrees Fahrenheit. And don't forget, you can get all your latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Richard. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up including as a woman from Buckinghamshire is rumoured to be involved. We'll have the latest on the situation in Kenya. We'll find out exactly why a significant number of street cleaners in Luton are losing their jobs. And tattoos. Really? Oh, they're disgusting, aren't they? Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, investigations continue to establish whether the British woman involved in the Kenyan terrorist attack is Samantha Luthwaite from Aylesbury, who was married to the July the 7th bomber, Jermaine Lindsay. There's speculation in many of today's papers that she was involved. At least 62 people died in the attack, including six Britons, and it's thought to have been carried out by the Somali group Al-Shabaab. 
In March last year, officials say Samantha Luthwaite fled to Somalia and that officers were hunting uh, a woman who used several identities, including hers. Well, Dr David Lowe is an expert in terrorism at Liverpool John Moores University. Good morning, David. Uh, lots of speculation about whether Samantha Luthwaite was part of this group. The Kenyan foreign, foreign minister has talked about a British woman being involved who's taken part in terrorist activities many times before. If it isn't her, are there a significant number of British women involved in this kind of thing? Well, yes. I mean, if you just look at terrorism generally, um, you shouldn't be surprised to find women involved. You, you only have to go back to the 60s and 70s. I mean, I, I was only small then, so I don't really remember it that well. But with the Palestinian uh, Liberation Organization through to, you saw it in the Nordos siege in Moscow, uh, with the Chechen fighters, you saw women there. And even with Ireland, we've, we've, there's a number of women here involved with the provisional IRA, both on the mainland and in the province itself, so it's not unusual to see women. What strikes me odd about this, David, is a, a British woman being involved in, in a Somalian uh, conflict. Uh, well, I understand where that's from, but this is an international uh, terrorism uh, organisation. Al-Shabaab is part of Al-Qaeda. They, they, they formed closer links in uh, 2012, in uh, June last year. Uh, so you, you're looking at an international uh, threat, and, and as you heard the Kenyan Foreign Minister, uh, Mohammed, she was saying that it is requiring more of a, an international response to it. What I don't get, uh, uh, David, uh, and uh, I, can, I can kind of understand the twisted thinking behind September 11th and, and July the 7th. I can kind of, I'm not, can't just, I can kind of see what they were trying to gain from it. But what do, what do Al-Shabaab want? I can't work out what the point of this is. I think, well, it's, it's, it's been a, an interesting short history they've had, and don't worry, I won't go on too long, but they've been going since 2006, but over the last uh, 12 months, there's been, a, if you like, a reorganisation uh, within the within the organisation. The old head has gone, uh, shake away. Uh, they've killed some, uh, Al-Shabaab people themselves have killed some senior figures uh, within it, and I think what you're looking at is a new faction of Al-Shabaab. Uh, I think they thought that it was being too dilatory, and they want more of an international response. They're looking basically f uh, for any jihadist caused. That's one link. Uh, I mean, you, you could go to the, the bomb attack uh, in, in Pakistan that, that, we, that we keep hearing of, or Boko Haram in Nigeria. Uh, it is about a, an ideological religious cause. That's what it's about. Uh, rather than, I would say, geographically freeing Somalia and having it under their control, it, it's 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 more that uh, having the jihadist cause. That's that's the main aim. Big Somali uh, um, community within Britain and various parts of Britain. Should we be concerned over here? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm speaking from Liverpool. We've had a very established uh, Somali community here who've been part of uh, the fabric of Liverpool for a number of years, and as you say, for uh, the Luton area and London and so on. Um, I mean, the the the. They reckon there's been about over a hundred UK citizens who've gone to Somali to go and fight with uh, Al-Shabaab, which is a very small percentage of our Somali community, and I don't think we should be unduly worried, and uh, because they do enrich the area that, in, which, in, in which we have the community. David Lowe, thank you very much. Dr David Lowe, an expert in terrorism at Liverpool John Moore's uh, University. I'm still a little bit unclear as to what Al-Shabaab want if it's true they were going around and it's pretty graphic so bear with me going around going up to people asking if they knew the name of uh, muhammad's mum and asking them to quote bits of the quran if they couldn't do it they were shooting them if that what is that trying to achieve that, that, that what they're trying to make 
everybody a Muslim? I, I don't know. I don't understand it. I know it's a long shot. There is a Somali community in, in Beds, Hearts and Bucks. I know it's a long shot. Very long shot. We'll probably get nothing on this, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious to try and find out more. Any idea? Any idea what they were trying to achieve, what they want? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. I know, I know it's a very specific person I'm speaking to now, but there is anybody from the Somali community listening. They don't show up particularly highly on our radar figures, let's be honest, but 08459 455 555. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Talking earlier on with uh, Justin about things that annoy you about other drivers. Drivers. One of my bugbears is uh, drivers who go to petrol stations, but they won't... They, the, if their tank is on the left-hand side, they have to park next to the a petrol pump on the left-hand side. They don't realise that, that most cables these days will stretch... To the other side of the vehicle. Jim, does this annoy you? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, you're very zen about it. It gets on my nerves. Yeah, well, since um, the time that I did it the once, and they wouldn't switch the pump on... Sorry? I've moved, you know, I've, I've not um, sort of filled up from that side since. What? So hang on, you, you went to the other side and tried to stretch the, the, the pump round and they wouldn't yeah. turn it on? No, but the, the pipe was sort of um, stretched. You know, it wasn't um, sort of. You know, it was quite. Um, there was no forward, slack. You know what I mean? what, what, so, what, what were you driving? A tank? Land Rover Discovery. Oh, okay. But uh, the, and did you go and speak to them in, inside and say, "Oi, oi, what's going on?" No, I just um, waited for another pump so I could be on the so, so the pump was on the nearer side. Well, Jim, thank you very much indeed. That certainly uh, ranks as, uh, as, well, that's Call of the Week. Do we have an award for calls? We, we, we don't yet. OK, well, if I do, that would be Call of the Week. Uh, I would I'd have gone in and said, Oi, excuse me. And I would have said, Oi, I do apologise. I said, Oi, excuse me, why would you not turn the pump on? That's another annoying thing. When you're stood at the pump for ages and they won't turn it on because they're ch- chatting to their mates or they're on the telephone. And you know it only bleeps once... It only bleeps once when you pull the thing. They get a bleep, and however many times you bleep it, 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 it pull the trigger, it won't bleep anymore. So they don't look up and respond. Oh, it annoys me. 08459 455 555. Uh, we've got uh, the, the horrific story. I won't go into the graphic detail of it again, but yesterday... Well, I, I will by its very description. Yesterday I had to smash a baby vole in the head three times with a brick and then wipe its blood off the floor and off the brick. Thanks. Um, Helen in Milton Keynes says, Ian, you did the right thing with the vole. If you had left it, it would have suffered. Well done. How do you, did you explain to your sons? I remember when my sons were young, I did something like that. Well, I told <laughs> What did I say to my sons? They went, Daddy, let's go and look at the vole. OK. It's gone. Wow. I think putting it on that magnifying glass and giving it some leaves fixed it. They felt good about themselves. There were no tears. There was nothing horrible apart from... The image in my mind. Let's have a quick look at the front pages. Uh, the Daily Telegraph. Glenn Close's preju- family is facing prejudice. That's on page 24. D- is it because she looks like a man in that photograph? I don't know. Let's go to... Well, I don't know. Let's go to page 24 and find out. I feel real shame I didn't pay... Oh, uh, it's... It's, it's uh about mental health we're probably probably best if we move on as you were as you were 
Uh, lots of the front pages, of course, uh, about Kenya. Um, my wife and daughter were gunned down. These people are animals. There's a picture of a young child who had uh, been murdered. Mid-staffs, doctors and managers are in the clear. Hey, guys, those mid-staffs, doctors are getting away with it. Not a single doctor or manager will be held responsible for the mid-staffs scandal after NHS regulators drop cases into the conduct of senior medical professionals. Um, hold on a minute. That's more Mozart on the line. Ah, this is a, a thing saying that Mozart is is one of the most popular things to play when you're on hold. There's a story in another newspaper that you know when you phone up the council and, and the police and things, and they put you on hold, and you hear the hold music. Do you know who's pay, paying for that hold music? Yeah, we are. They have to pay a licensing fee. They have to pay PRS or something. So if it's the council or a public service, we're paying for it. Thanks, guys. Hey, why not not put us on hold and just answer our phone calls? The Guardian. Uh, Fry joins demand to end mass surveillance by US and UK. Oh, Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry will join 40 free speech groups and other high-profile authors and artists today to bang on about stuff they don't really know anything about. I like Stephen Fry, but part of me just thinks, oh, for goodness sake, Stephen, get over it. Should have a quick look at the front page of the Express. You pay fine for benefit fiddler. More interestingly to me is Beverly Craven. Singer Beverly Craven, won't, uh, why breast cancer won't beat my daughter. See, she pays 31. Who here remembers Beverly, Beverly Craven? She had that song, Promise me you'll wait for me. I went to see Beverly Craven in concert. I got free tickets through, through, through Tampax. That's right. Yes, I know I can say that. I can say that word on the radio. I'm not bothered by it. <laughs> the Daily Mail <laughs> The Daily Mail Did White Widow die in siege? White Widow Samantha Luthwaite may have been killed during the Nairobi siege That's the story that we're uh, featuring And uh, free j- Whoa, hang on a second Damsons in distress Free jam recipe card Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I can't find it uh, Pick up yours from Tesco, WH Smith or Eason's That must be a northern store, Eason's Must be northern How sad must you be? So go into WH Smith's and say, yes, hello, I'd like my free dams and jam recipe, please. I believe I can collect it from here. Have you got any left? (laughs) Yes, we have quite a few left. You're the only person that's asked. Uh, And the son? Well, you're a bad man, Brit Brit Boy 4 to terrorists, but perhaps, well, another huge story. End of the road for four. Four Four characters from EastEnders I've never heard of are out. Spoiler alert... Kirsty Branning, AJ Masood, Poppy Meadow and Carl White. They're all getting the sack, guys. It's worthy of a front-page story. AJ Masood is out. Wowzers. Well, someone who's definitely in, at least for the moment, is Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. And now I feel nervous. You should be nervous. See, it's it's a healthy way of working, can isn't I, it? Can I just say, Adam? Yes. The more you talk and not about travel, the less chance there is we'll speak to you just before half past seven. M1 southbound, slow moving, Luton Airport toward Redbourne, St Albans Road in Harpenden, 
It's also looking busy as you approach Station Road, the B652. A1M, that's busy past Hitchin. Junction 8, down towards Stevenage at Junction 7. And then into London, delays through Borehamwood on the A1 Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus on the cameras. M25 anti-clockwise, Waltham Abbey to Enfield, looking slow as traffic makes its way into the roadworks and through the 50 mile an hour restriction. St Albans to Kings Langley is the next bit that looks slow, Junction 21A to 20. And Maple Cross to the M40, Junction 17 to 16 is looking busy as well. Into London on the A40, not too bad at the minute. Beaconsfield, a little slow on the A355 through the roadworks. We've got the temporary traffic light down from the A40 toward the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. We'll speak to you, or indeed someone, in about 15 minutes. Morning, it's 7.16. It's Tuesday the 24th of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Investigations continue to establish whether the British woman involved in the Kenyan terrorist attack is Samantha Luthwaite from Aylesbury. A ribbon-cutting ceremony takes place later this morning to mark the formal opening of the Luton to Dunstable busway. And in sport, Watford are in League Cup action against Premier League side Norwich this evening, while Luton are at Woking in the conference. Coming up, happy guided busway ribbon-cutting day, everybody. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you... We're talking antics and connectables. It doesn't have to be old things. These anxieties that you have, when you get rid of this first one, you'll find that all these other things that you're talking about can fall into place. Nick Coffer. We've had some great music today. The Beatles, ABBA, Smokey Robinson, Adele, Pink Floyd. Nick Coffer. I am wearing bright purple jeans. Weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Sing hosannas. The guided busway is opening today. The £91 million project uh, to link Houghton Regis, Luton and Dunstable is officially opened this morning. The ribbon. Are they actually going to cut a ribbon? That's fantastic. I didn't realise people actually cut ribbons. It's like when they unveil a plaque by pulling a little bit of string and a tiny curtain opens. Where do you get those tiny curtain from? Anyway, the ribbon will be cut by the Transport Minister and Liberal Democrat MP Norman Baker. But the first bus won't run until tomorrow. Three different operators are in charge of the service. Arriva, Grant Palmer and Centrebus. Well, Lindsay Frostick is from Arriva and joins me now. Morning, Lindsay. Good morning. Three different operators, four different routes. Will they, how does it work? Will they all use the guided busway? Yep, they all use the guided busway between Dunstable and Luton Town Centres and then each end of those routes we're covering a different area so our route will run right the way through from Houghton Regis to Luton Airport and the other two are serving, well one's coming through from Toddington and then they're serving separate areas of Dunstable through to Luton. And how does it work? Can I buy one ticket to use on each or do I have to get different tickets? Um, Return tickets are inter-available so if you happen to travel out on a Grant Palmer ticket um, you can return on an Arriva ticket providing your end destination is the same and then there is in Luton what we call a multi-operator ticket so if you're a regular traveller you can buy a day or a weekly ticket and that is then valid on any route for any destination. And how much does a ticket cost? On the busway? Yes. Um, well, obviously it depends where you're travelling, but there's there's no difference in fares. So if you currently travelled from Houghton Regis to Luton on the 38 bus, for example, you'll pay that exact same fare on the busway. 
And uh, do you think? Are you confident that, that despite the setbacks and delays and the overspends that that, that have been in the press a lot, that, that your side of things will run smoothly? Um, well, we're as ready as we can be. Um, we've got eight vehicles dedicated to service. We've got a dedicated rotor of drivers who've been trained and are ready to go. Um, so yeah, we're just now keen to get on there and kind of see how it goes. Now, Lindsay, when it comes to bus stops and using buses and stuff, I'm a big fan of buses, but I'm also an idiot. <laughs> will a, a fool like me be able to work it out quite easily? Yes. Um, I mean, if you, if you go into a stop on the guided section, there really is nowhere else to go other than a bus stop, and the buses will stop there for you because they're quite easy to see and they're well lit. Um, the other main boarding points are at the new Luton Interchange, which also opens today, and then obviously all the stops in Dunstable as well. So yes, put your hand out and the bus will stop. Excellent. That's all. One final question, Lindsay. On the, on the guided busway website, it lists four different routes, A, B, C and D. I've been scratching my head. What happened to route D? Well, it may be coming soon. Oh, oh that's exciting. Can't fill it? up your alphabet at the beginning, can no, we? You, you cannot. You're no. right. Lindsay, listen, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much, uh, Lindsay Frostick from Arriva. And uh, we are going to be coming live from one of the busway stops tomorrow morning, the one by the railway station in Luton. So do come down and uh, bring us coffee and uh, uh, Danish, please, Danish pastries. And Justin Dealey is going to be on the first journey. He can tell us whether £91 million pays for a comfy seat or not. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 is the telephone number uh, if you want to give us a call. You can also go to uh, facebook.com. Um, uh, uh, forward slash BBC 3CR I'm hesitating because there is a message to us I'm going to read this sight unseen always a slightly dangerous game Hi there says Sue there is an Asian guy in a hat and suit who turns up every day come rain or shine at Leighton Buzzard train station I see him at 6.30 he stands outside with his guitar singing and welcoming people with a smile and greeting who is he? I've been told after the station he goes into Leighton Centre and continues to share his happiness with others. I've seen him since last year. What dedication he has to get up every morning simply to share his messages. Just thought worth sharing this act of kindness. Well, what, what, what kind of message is he sharing, Sue? Is he just, you know, going around... Uh, jolly people I find a little bit hard work. Has anybody else seen this mysterious Asian gentleman in a hat and suit outside Leighton Buzzard train station sharing his messages of happiness? Can we find out who he is? 08459 455 555. If you're on your way to Leighton Buzzard Station or you've been there, was he there this morning? Let's see if we can get him on. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Now, residents in St Albans are expressing concern over changes to the ways that recycling is being collected. Cardboard now has to be placed in a smaller bin, separate to the green wheelie bin which it used to go into. Well, some people have been complaining that the new bins are not big enough and that cardboard is being left uncollected. Earlier on in the show, we spoke to Penny Carr, who's angry with the council about this. If it won't fit in your box, you're allowed to stack it up under your box and the council will supposedly collect it, although some residents find they don't always do that. But then you're leaving the cardboard out in the rain all week to get soggy and come bin day, you're having to pick up piles of soggy cardboard and carry them to the curbside. That's not encouraging people to recycle, is it? Well, Councillor Daniel Chisholm-Miles is the portfolio holder responsible for environment at St Albans District and City Council and joins me now. Daniel, why did you decide to change the way that cardboard is collected in St Albans? Uh, good morning, Ian. Um, the 
simple reason is that not only do we need to get our recycling figures up, they've fallen as a result of uh, <clears throat> as a result of basically national. I'll explain what ha- used to happen with cardboard. Cardboard used to, as you said, go in with the green wheelie bin. Increase national standards uh, for composting uh, at our site at Agrivare, and this affects councils all across the country. Have become much tighter. So now we need to make sure that cardboard doesn't contaminate green waste. Um, this has been a problem, as I say, for councils all across the country, and in Hertfordshire it started to cost councils money. I want to make sure that St Albans residents and the St Albans council is ahead of the game so that we're not seeing that cardboard uh, causing our green waste to be rejected. Well, we've had a, uh, we spoke to a caller earlier on who said people are resisting um, recycling their cardboard because the new recycling bin isn't big enough to contain it. Yeah, um, there have been a few people. Bit of a mix-up, isn't had, it? It is. There have been a few people who've said they've had problems because their cardboard isn't being collected, even though they've done exactly what we've asked them to do. What I'd like to ask, as a local councillor, and I've urged my colleagues across the council representing other areas to do the same thing, is where this has happened, please do call us and complain on the same day. We actually do have a number to call. Why, should, pe- why should people have to complain, though? Surely it's, it's obvious. If they're doing what you've asked them to do, either putting the, the, the cardboard into the box, which isn't big enough for their cardboard, or putting it underneath the box, then why should they have to get in touch with you when it's not picked up? Well, what the other side of that is if they don't want to get in touch with us, we have actually already said to our crews manning the dust carts, they have to actually take a photo and report back in live, in real time when they aren't, aren't taking a load and they are rejecting it for size. Why are they rejecting it then? The excuses we're being told is that they find that uh, the most common case is that the cardboard is too big, it hasn't actually been folded up. Well, in that case, though, th- this proves, doesn't it, what I've just said, that the, the, the boxes aren't big enough. If the people can't fit their cardboard into the box and the bin men aren't taking it because it's not in the box, you've messed up, haven't you? No, not at all. My view is that we've, uh, we're in a rollout phase at the moment. We've rolled this out across around 40,000 households. And within that, yes, we've had complaints. We've anticipated that there would be problems. We're in a rollout stage. What The most important thing to me is that we actually listen to each and every one well, of these complaints individually. If I just finish being, in. Well, but you're not and answering the... Daniel, you're not answering the question. If the bin isn't big enough for the cardboard, so people can't put it in the bin, and the bin men aren't collecting the cardboard because it's not in the bin, then you've messed up with the size of bins. Well, we can't have messed up because most people actually seem to have managed to manage this process very well, and we've seen our recycling statistics go from 42% to 60 sorry, to 56% in just one quarter. But the people who aren't having it collected and the bin men who are refusing to collect it because it's not in the bin, what would you say to those people and those bin men? I would say that either the reason is because the cardboard genuinely is actually too big and that in which case it clogs up the machine, it's just a question of common sense, or it's a question of the bin men uh, who are, this is being rolled out round by round, the bin men on that round possibly are confused or have got it wrong themselves. The most important thing to me is that if they have rejected something, then they state it at the time, otherwise they aren't fulfilling the, the obligations of the contract with Enterprise Amy, or that residents, and in a few cases this has happened, residents have actually sent me a photo on their phone, which is very easy to do these days, saying, look, this is wrong. And where I do know about that, and where councillors do know about that, we've been able to get that collected on the same day. How many complaints have you had? I've received about two direct to me uh, through email and Twitter, 
and how, how much has the entire council we, received about so far since the rollout has begun about 20 across the entire uh, across the entire district and where we've got complaints we've also decided to include uh, you may have already heard this residents certainly are aware that we will be sending a follow-up leaflet so every single problem to go in the recycling yeah every single problem we've we've picked up with the new recycling regime since it began um, and it's just finished, the last rollout finished on September the 20th, we're going to put that into a new leaflet that's got clear photos that show this is what to do, this is what not to do. And the machine can't take some cardboard, did you say? It's a curbside sorter, so there's a very large hopper that goes up the side of the lorry with uh, one bucket full of plastics, one bucket full of glass, one bucket full of card and paper. And if it's, so for instance, if you've bought a box and it's a, uh, a box that you might have I don't know, let's say a series of bottles in, then that's probably going to be something you can fold up and it will fit inside your bin. If your bin's full, then it can fit underneath your bin and it won't be bigger than the area of that bin. That's the box that we keep the paper and cardboard in. If it's, say, you've gone and bought a very large new TV or something, then that's probably a much too big a piece of card and we can't take that. So what are you supposed to do with it? Um, In this case... Uh, if you can't actually make it smaller, uh, if, for, if it's a reason disability, council officers are actually able to organise that as a collection of, uh, as a large and bulky... But so, what, but no, but so what are you supposed to do with, with the card? If, if, if I've got it, I'm not disabled, what am I supposed to do with it? If you've got a very large piece of cardboard, then it's always been possible to take it to household waste and recycling sites, and that's what most people have done for a long time. So, with, yeah, but, well, or, or just chuck it in, I just chuck it in the bin then. I'm not going to bother driving a, a cardboard box to a waste recycling site. I think of the, the cost to the environment. The cost of the environment is actually being seen in landfill. And it's not no, but in, in terms of petrol. It's a, finan- it's a financial cost because at oh the moment dear. landfill tax is going up every year. We have in fact worked this out. I would, I understand. But I'd be dri- I would be driving, Daniel, I would be driving to, Ian, I would Ian, be driving. let me finish. Well, no, because you, 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 I would be driving to a landfill. To, so that's going to be damaging to the environment. You're not driving to a landfill. We have household waste and recycling sites. Okay, I would be driving to a recycling centre. The, the, the petrol used wouldn't be got back with the, the cardboard. Well, then break the cardboard down so it can fit either in between the bins, so when they're stacked, you would tend, people tend to stack three of them, either in between the bins and the tall green bin, or underneath them. So I could stack it, a TV box, I could stack it and that would get taken? It, yeah, if it could fit the sizes we've described, and we will be sending photos of what's oh, acceptable, dear. yes, it will be taken, and it should be taken. Excellent stuff. Uh, Councillor Daniel Chichester-Miles, portfolio holder, responsible for environment at St Albans, you get the idea. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's seven thirty. We allowed Adam Glynn to stay for this broadcast. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. You're a kind man, and I appreciate. Get on with it. M1. M1 southbound, slow-moving traffic, flitting to the A505, junction 12 to 11, and once you get past there, it then slows again from Luton Airport at the Spur toward Hemel Hempstead, junction 10 to 7, so definitely getting to be a slower prospect on the M1. The A1M is looking busy as you go past Hitchin and Stevenage, junctions 8 through to 7. Just having a look at the cameras on the A1M around there, and it is definitely pretty busy. It's also quite a misty morning out there. A lot of the main routes through the three counties have got a little bit of mist or fog rolling across.
across them so that's probably contributing to the extra slowdowns on the M1 as people just take it a little bit easier. A1 into London through Boreham Wood, Q Stirling Corners to Mill Hill Circus, some delays in Harpenden on the A1081 past Station Road and then the M25 clockwise is queuing into the roadworks so that's busy from the A1M through to Potter's Bar, anti-clockwise slow Waltham Abbey to Enfield, St Albans to Kings Langley and Chorleywood to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's just gone 7.30 with the headlines. I'm Richard Williams. Kenya's foreign minister has said some of the militants who attacked a Nairobi shopping centre were American citizens and a British woman may also have been involved. It's unconfirmed yet if the woman is Samantha Luthwaite from Aylesbury. The security forces say they are now in control of the building after a near three-day siege. A ribbon-cutting ceremony takes place later this morning to mark the formal opening of the Luton to Dustnable busway. The £90 million project, which is five months behind schedule, opens for passengers on Wednesday. And street cleaners in Luton were left in the dark over the fate of their jobs at a council meeting last night. 18 workers faced redundancy but were excluded from the meeting just before the decision was made. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford are in action this evening. The Hornets take on Premier League side Norwich in round three of the League Cup and manager Gianfranco Zola is expected to make changes with new signing Josh McEtron scheduled to be involved. Zola welcomes a chance to play top flight opposition. It's a good challenge for, 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 for our players like it was last year against uh, Manchester City. Mm. We want to see where we stand right now and I think it would be a great opportunity for for some of our young players also to, to see the standard where we, we need to get. Luton Town could have striker Paul Benson and defender Alex Lacey back for tonight's conference match at Woking. Skipper Ronnie Henry will also play despite an argument with a supporter after the win over Lincoln. Henry believes negative comments from some fans are affecting young players' development at Kenilworth Road. So does Hatter's boss John Still agree? I don't know completely and... I can't say yet whether their development has been affected or not. I I can't because they're not far enough up the line. But tell me anyone, anyone that enjoys abuse. And there's commentary on both Watford and Luton's games tonight on BBC Three Counties Radio. Leighton Orient's perfect start to the season continues. Russell Slade's side beat Brentford 2-0 at Griffin Park last night to make it eight wins out of eight in League One. The former World Snooker champion Sean Murphy has called for Stephen Lee to be given a lifetime ban. Lee was found guilty of seven charges of match-fixing last week in what the sport's governing body called the worst case of corruption it had ever seen. He'll be sentenced later today and Murphy said Lee should never play again. I think things do need to be looked at as to why he found himself in a position where he felt the need to cheat. But ultimately, you know, as a professional sportsman, he's not just defrauded himself... He's defrauded the game and its members and its reputation. And for that, I don't think we should ever see Stephen Lee play professional snooker again. And finally, golf. Henrik Stenson's week just gets better and better after winning $11 million at the weekend. The European Ryder Cup captain Paul McGinley says the Swede has all but secured his place on the team for Glen Eagles next year. There'll be more at eight. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. High town, street cleaning, 
Recycling and tattoos. Who wouldn't want to listen to the next 25 minutes? Huh? There's a story in uh, the Daily Mail underneath the story about that gentleman. Anyway, what really drives us mad? Late breakers and bird poop. There's a, a survey. Surveys are always an odd thing, aren't they? Because they always, they always come from a company. There's always an agenda behind a survey. Anyway, uh, it, this is a, a list of the top 50 bugbears uh, for drivers. It includes people who break suddenly before turning. It, people who don't indicate. I often think if, if only there was some way of drivers communicating to other drivers and pedestrians which way they wanted to turn. Oh, there is. Indicators. Those little lights at the side of the car. They can use those. Um, people watching as you park. I hate that. That puts the pressure on, doesn't it? Well, what things irritate you? Lots of you have been uh, having your say uh, on Facebook this morning. Let's do a few. Uh, uh, Pamela says, lack of signalling. Anne-Marie, not indicating, or even worse, indicating incorrectly. Happened to me yesterday on my driving lesson. A car was indicating to go right at the roundabout. I stopped for it. They decided to go left instead. Andy says, Audi drivers, why do they have to drive five feet behind you? Eh? Um, Warren says there are so many but one of the main ones is breaking at the last moment when you've pulled out of a junction apparently just millimetres in front of them and in an attempt to intimidate you we've probably all misjudged a gap but they're equally poor in reading the road uh, and let's do one more Mark says lane switches when there is heavy traffic and even worse undertaking at high speeds I was doing 70 on the A1 yesterday and some bloke was weaving in and out of all three lanes at over 90 yeah I, I hate those idiots Shirley's in Milton Keynes. Shirley, what annoys you about other drivers? Is the drivers not putting their lights on in this thick fog. Oh, there was plenty of that this morning. I've been looking out my bedroom window. Oh, yes. And at the cars going by, and there was barely a car with lights on, and it's thick fog out here this morning. Yep. And I just wanted you, if you would put out a warning, please, please, put your lights on. It's dreadful. We, we've, we've, you've, you've put the warning out there, Shirley. Uh-huh. It's out there. My, uh-huh. I turn my lights on quite early in the evening. Yes. Uh, and my wife always says, what do, you, what do you put your lights on? Well, because it, surely it's better to have them on, isn't it, than off. Oh, of course If is. If in doubt, get it out. No, if in doubt, yeah. put your lights on. Exactly. But I just cannot believe the number of cars that are going by with no lights on. Naughty. It's terrible. Naughty, naughty. What about the number of old drivers without lights on? Oh, I, well, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you yesterday, but I didn't get a chance. Shirley, uh, can I ask you another but, question? Just going yeah. off on a slight tangent. Yeah. Have you got any tattoos at all? No. Would you? No. Have, you seen, have you seen Cheryl Cole's tattoos? Yes, I don't on, like it. On her buttocks? It's awful. <laughs> why, why do you think it's awful? Well, the flower itself is pretty, but it's so big. Well, that's her bum. Oh, you mean the, the tattoo? <laughs> it, it, it covers everything, doesn't it? It does. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm certainly not a lover of tattoos. I must. What about what? Have you? Are you aware of those things called uh, tramp stamps? No. What it's, about? it's when a young lady has a, a, a tattoo that's maybe about four or five inches long, and it's just at the base of her spine, and it might be some Chinese writing or a Celtic symbol or an angel with its wings outstretched. Mm. Impress you at all? Not really. Oh. I mean, my granddaughter, she wants a tattoo for her 18th birthday. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm, I'm not happy, but it's 
up to her. Yes, I up. can't interfere. Shirley, thank you very much indeed. We've been, uh, we had a message on Facebook. You can give us a call about tattoos as well, by the way, uh, from Sue, talking about this gentleman, uh, an Asian chap in a hat and suit who turns up every day outside Leighton Buzzard train station. Well, Connor's Bumper. in Leighton Buzzard. Morning, Connor. Morning. Are, are you aware of this chap? Yeah, yeah, I know the guy. His name's uh, Johan Ferreira. He's a preacher. Johan Ferreira? Pereira. But Pereira. And, and what, 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 I mean, what gospel is he preaching? Uh, he's a Christian preacher. Uh, he's been doing it for like five, six years now. All right. And what kind of, is he singing Christian songs? Is he singing John Denver? What's he doing? Well, he makes his own songs and they're all, he hasn't been playing for long, we'll say that. Ah, ah okay, right. So he's perhaps, uh, he has more enthusiasm than skill, perhaps. Yeah, but, you know, that's the point, isn't it? Well, it is the point. And it, have you spoken to him at all? Yeah, yeah, all the time. He remembers everyone's name. It's quite sweet. Wow. We yeah, should... He'll write out little sheets of prayers on them and just give them to people. It's really quite, you know, touching. <laughs> Connor, well, listen, thank you for that. Isn't it nice there are nice people out there? I'm tempted to get him in as a Friday, uh, a Friday guest. Religion and everything to one side. I, I'm, well, let's, let's, let's investigate further and see if we can get that... Uh, that gentleman to, to, to pop in um, one day. That might be uh, an interesting thing to do. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number, of course. The watchword for today is... Please, please, put your lights on. There we go, you see. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR as well if you want to give us uh, a message on Facebook. Now, residents of Hightown in Luton say not enough is being done to combat prostitution in the area despite a major crackdown over the past three months. It's been a problem for 30 years. Well, the council met last night to rubber stamp its plans to rid the area of street prostitutes. Laura Church, Head of Business and Consumer Services at Luton Borough Council, joins me now. Morning, Laura. Are, are residents being impatient? Morning, Ian. Um, residents clearly want something to happen, but I think as a partnership, we've been really clear with the community that this isn't going to be a quick fit. When we had the first community meeting about three months ago, we did say that this was a five-year plan and also explained that some of the experience in Ipswich was that this took a longer time to deal with and you wouldn't see immediate results. Five years is, is a long time to wait, isn't it, when you've got people having drugs and sex in your street. What, why does it take so long? It, take, it takes so long because we just have to deal with some of the underlying issues about why the women are involved in the sex trade. Uh, we need to tackle some of the issues around that the particular high town area uh, and how some of the housing estates work out, and that's a piece of work that the council's... Um, started on we've just appointed an architect to look at the past this day so there are lots of uh, pieces of work that we need to pull together the experience from Ipswich was that you did start to see results in about 18 months and we're as you've said earlier we're three months in so we're meeting the community on Tuesday to get their feedback on what's happened so far so, so what yes this meeting on Tuesday what, what's going to be happening there We'll be um, outlining some of the uh, action that has been taken, but actually we'll also be listening to the community about some of their feedback, what they're seeing in the area, uh, and getting an idea of how it feels for them. Have there been many arrests since this recent push started in July? Uh, there, there has been a crackdown on the um, curb crawlers. Curb crawlers are stopped. Uh, they have to go into the police station, their DNA is taken, their fingerprints are taken, uh, and there have been some successful prosecutions. 
How many? Four. Four. Okay. And and what do, what what's the punishment? Is is it a fine? What what do they get? Ian, I'm I'm not sure what they actually get. Okay. Um, and th- this multi-agency approach is that working? Yes, uh, I think that's one of the strengths of having the strategy. It's pulled together partners uh, to work together to tackle this issue. And I'm not saying that that wasn't happening before, but it's given it a new impetus and a new push. And it's been really helpful to learn from other places like Ipswich. People are still frustrated. We've been speaking to, to, to various residents who are, are still seeing um, these these uh, sex acts taking place in their street. What would you say to them to, to um, give them some sort of hope? Well, we're still asking residents to uh, let us know because that's a good indication of knowing what is going on in the area. So still reporting on 101. Uh, They will need to bear with us as we continue the work. I do appreciate the frustration and that they've asked us to speed up, but we are explaining that this is a longer-term process. And are you confident with the way this is going, Laura? Do you you think within five years this problem will will have gone? Yes, based on the progress in three months, but it is very early days. Laura, thank you very much for your time. Laura Church, Head of Business and Consumer Services at Luton Borough Council. If you've just tuned in, you will have missed my horrific recounting of how I had to um, bash a baby vole over the uh, head uh, with a brick. I told my mum, she she said, why did you kill a foal? It was a vole, mum, a vole. Imagine having to kill a, a small horse like that. No, it was a vole. Um, uh, Leslie uh, in Watford has, has been in... Are we going to speak to Leslie? Are we going to speak to Leslie a bit? Oh, Leslie's got a, an incredible story. Le- Leslie wimped out, ladies and gentlemen. Made me feel like a hero. We'll speak to Leslie in a little bit. Good, I was, I was hoping we'd get to speak to Leslie. Right, it's a quarter to eight. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M1 southbound slope from Milton Keynes now toward Junction 11 at the A505, Junction 14 through to 11, then from Junction 10 at Luton Airport towards 7 at Hem- Hemel Helmsley is pretty slow as well. I think it's the fact that it's quite a foggy morning. People are driving a little bit more slowly, taking a little bit more easily on the motorways. So we're not doing too badly. You'll just encounter several patches where it's busier than usual. Through Clop Hill, it's slow on the A6, approaching the A507 junction, the Ampthill Road there, and then it looks a bit slow again on the A6 as you come down toward Barton Clay, the A5 through Dunstable a little bit busy as well and through Mark Yate coming down towards the M1 near Junction 9. Things moving well on the M40 despite the roadworks. The A1M is looking slow from Hitchin to Stevenage and then into London on the A1 Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Still quite busy in Harpenden on the A1081. The A414 in London Coney is slowing up. A120 as you go through Bishop Stortford looking a little bit busy and then the M25 clockwise queues into the roadworks at Potter's Bar and anti-clockwise very slow Waltham Abbey to Enfield St Albans to Kings Langley and Chorleywood to the M40 Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio Please, please, put your lights on 7.46, it's Tuesday the 24th of September I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio Kenya's foreign minister has said two or three Americans and a British woman were among a group of Islamist militants who stormed a shopping centre in Nairobi on Saturday. Residents of Hightown in Luton say not enough is being done to combat prostitution in the area, despite a major crackdown by authorities over the past three months. And in sport, Watford are in League Cup action against Norwich of Vicarage Road this evening. Coming up, Voles. 08459 455 555. 
Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. To the day. The Met Office do have a weather warning in place. Again, a one for dense fog, and it is pretty dense in some places as well, so uh, extra care needed, particularly out on the roads this morning. Eventually, it should start to lift. Now, some of it quite stubborn, and once it does lift, it's likely to lift into low cloud, but eventually we should start to see a little bit of brightness, perhaps down in the southern parts towards lunchtime, out towards Watford and uh, beyond. We may start to see a glimmer or two of sunshine, and that's going to continue through the afternoon as well. It's another relatively warm day. We're looking at a maximum temperature of around 21 Celsius. That's 70 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now overnight tonight, another repeat performance. Just to remind us, it's autumn. Some mist, some fog likely to form and some low cloud as well. A mild night though, minimum temperature 12 Celsius, 54 degrees in Fahrenheit. So for tomorrow, a similar start to what we're experiencing now, but the fog and mist may be a touch more patchy in nature, but then some brightness in the afternoon. Temperature getting up to around 20 celsius and that's your forecast thank you very much kate if you've got a problem with a company a council or an organization they were really really unhelpful they laughed at me the jvs show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems we have been back 11 visits each time because of the problems my husband's been having if you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Gentleman then agreed to refund me my money. As of yet, he's resold the vehicle and still no refund. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine, BBC Three Counties Radio. I bashed the baby vol's head in with a brick yesterday three times. It was horrible. I'm, I'm being assured that I did the right thing. It wasn't just out of spite. It wasn't giving me a funny look. Uh, it was my, my cat had broken its spine. It had been left in agony on a magnifying glass for several hours. Leslie, did I do the right the right thing? Oh, absolutely. Good. Thank. What happened yes. to you? Have you had to do this? Oh, uh, um, well, no. Oh. Um, I was driving in Stevenage and drove past this bird sitting upright in the gutter. Yes. And I thought, what's wrong with that? Why has it moved? I turned around and went back. And when I got out and I went over to it, it still never moved, looking very dazed and stunned. And then when I picked it up, uh, well, it had obviously been hit, but it was still alive. There were um, internal organs were now external organs. Oh. Oh. Hope you're enjoying and, your breakfast at home, guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I went out, I'm afraid. I flagged down the first white van that came along. And with much apologising to the gentleman inside, I, I just said, I can't do this. I can't kill that bird. Yeah. And I can't leave it like that either. And what did the fella in the white van say? Not very much, actually. He just gave me one of those looks. <laughs> that, uh, this typical female. Call a man to do it. Yeah. And he just went over and he, he took it into the bushes and did the business. What? I don't, listen, we've got young ears I listening. Know. We've got young ears listening. But what? 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 He, he picked it up. He, he no, wrung he its neck. He did it with his bare hands. Yeah. At least I used a weapon and tissue paper. I couldn't touch it. Well, oh. There weren't any bricks around. It was sort of um, uh, unless he started ripping branches off of the trees. Oh dear. You know, I'm all <laughs> That poor fella, that poor fella, he's just driving to work, minding his own business, suddenly some lunatic woman, <laughs> could you go and kill a bird for me, please? I tell you, oh, Leslie, no. Leslie, I've got previous. 
Have you? When I was, yeah, I have. Again, oh, listen, if you've got young ears, I really suggest you switch off until eight o'clock because I think this is going to get quite grim. So this is genuine. Oh, I was on holiday in Spain, the worst holiday I've ever had. I had um, I had something wrong with me, and the doctors gave me the wrong tablets. Okay, so I spent the entire week inside with just, just bright red, just this weird colour because I had the wrong tablets. The one day I went out, we went out for tapas, we got ripped off. It, it, they charged us like 70 euros or something for tapas. So miserable. Yeah. Right? On the way back, walking this kind of country road, I saw, saw a kitten, a kitten get run over by a car. Right? And this is horrible, I'm really sorry. Its back was flat. Okay, it was oh, no. its back and road became one. Okay, yeah, the cat's still alive, Leslie. Oh. And I'm there with my friends, and and they said, "Well, what are we going to do?" I said, "Well, we can't leave it there. Well, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it." No. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, children. I picked up a brick. I clubbed that cat to death with a brick. It was horrible, it Leslie. Was, it was going to die. You just saved it. Oh. Agony, it, and it was in agony, and I oh, yeah. even now I feel so. And again, I did I did the same thing I did with the vol. I went, I'm very very sorry. It wouldn't have understood me. It was a Spanish cat, but I did say I'm very well, very no, sorry. But... <laughs> mm-hmm. No, you did the right thing. Oh, Leslie, it's a cruel world we live in, right isn't it? Oh. <sighs> I, I, I feel I feel we've we've helped each other through this painful period. I think we have. Thank you so much, Leslie. It's nice to yeah, talk no, to you. You take care. And you, you maybe we'll speak again about happier times. I do apologise. We'll get Paul Scoyne's kangaroo story a bit later on. Oh, dearie me. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number if you want to give us a call on that. Now, we're talking tattoos this morning. Sorry to have to come to you after that horrific story there, Justin. Yeah, lovely. Thanks. Yeah, I know. It really doesn't uh, set the mood. No. Um, should we try and lighten it? Please. Tattoos! Yeah! They look horrible, don't they? Um, I'm not a big fan of tattoos myself, but then again, you know, every single person has the right to have what they want. If they they want a tattoo, let them get a tattoo. No, don't... Sorry, Justin. Sorry, Ham. Uh, these are the biscuits? Yeah, there are biscuits and cake upstairs oh, inside. Right. So just yes. I wonder why the team are taking their eye off the ball for a second. Yeah, it's because... Yeah. Sorry, yeah. hang on. There's biscuits and cakes upstairs as well. Oh, right, lovely. Sorry, we're all just tucking them now. Okay. So you do your bit. Go on, where you go. We're okay, we've well, been talking about tattoos this morning. Um, lots of people have them. Clearly, your views are, are not great for tattoo lovers. You find them vile, disgusting. You think anybody who has a tattoo is weird. Um, Ian, I've been out on the streets this morning getting people's tattoo stories. You are not going to like this. It's quite worrying for you. Well, this, is, this is what happened. Do you want me to press play Please, now? please. Yeah. Okay, well. now, now, Darren, you're telling me that your dad's got... 82 tattoos. Yeah, yep. Uh, and what do you think about these tattoos? I think they're quality, mate. Yeah, yeah it's good. He, my dad loves it because he's got all my ki- well, he's got all my kids' names on him. Um, and tattoos. He's got all of his, all my sisters, all my brothers. And what's your favourite tattoo out of the 82? Well, the one he just got recently on his back with a panther with the claw coming over into his front and bursting through his chest. Interesting stuff. And uh, have you got any yourself? I'm getting one. Um, May United badge on my arm. Man United badge? Yep. Uh, where were you born? <laughs> I think we'll leave it there, thank you. Yeah, it's all right, mate. Right, how many tattoos have you got? Four. And can you tell us what they are? Uh, Japanese kanji, uh, two snake and skull, one very old one, which was a, uh, a knife through the skin. Very old. A knife like, through the you... skin, yep. Yep, yep. and uh, a heart with a knife through it. 
Briefly. <laughs> I mean, Ian, in the studio, has got some pretty strong views about tattoos. He thinks they're absolutely disgusting. Uh, what would you say to that? Rubbish. It's individuality. It's, it's just down to the person, isn't it, really? But what's individual about a knife going through your skin? Uh, that's youth. That's youth. I'm sorry, that is a bit youth. You can get them... Uh, I might be getting changed, actually, yeah. covered over in more, more modern design. And you talk about these, uh, the, these Chinese tattoos. Uh, born and bred in Bedfordshire, I presume? I'd so, yeah. yeah so, so where's the Chinese connection? I've done a lot of martial arts years ago. So uh, it's not Chinese, Japanese, really, but, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so uh, it was uh, kind of 20 years of my life, so that really means more to me than anything else, really. And you love them. You love them to bits. Oh, I love tattoos. I think they're great. Even, even on females, they look, they look fantastic. Do you think, and just last, do you think people look at you in a different way because you've got tattoos? If you were going for, a, for your dream job, would you hide your tattoos just to be on the safe side? I mean, a shirt will cover it anyway, but I don't think you should be able to uh, hide them, really. I think you should be allowed to, uh, you know, show them. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be proud to show my tattoos, really, you know. Right, Tara, you're 17. You're getting a tattoo very soon when you're 18 years old. No! Tell us what tattoo you're going to be getting. Uh, it's a wolf sport. A what? A wolf sport. It's a motorbike and body gear. It's like a body, it's like a gear for motorbiking. Right, okay. And where's that going to be going? Um, either on my hip or on my wrist. So you're counting down the days until you're 18 then? Yeah. <laughs> Two months, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I warned you, it was disturbing. I am speechless. Let's, let's say that all of those people sounded like they were of a certain type. Um, well, do you know what? You know, nice people, but, um, I mean, 82 tattoos on his father. Uh, a girl who's, what, 17 quality. years quality. old. Yeah, they're, they're quality, mate, that, quality. That poor um, girl. She wants it. She, you know, two months counting down the days. You're going to hear from she somebody wants it. later she's on. She's going to get it. <laughs> I mean, she's going to go and get that. Somebody later on, you're going to hear from who had uh, a tattoo uh, of his wife's name on his arm. Then they divorced. Ooh, what happened next? You'll find out later on. Oh no! The thing is, I know my wife's name. Mm-hmm. I know my children's names. I yes. know them. I, I remember them. Yep. Uh, they're in my head now. I'm thinking of them. I can see them. I don't need. <laughs> Have you seen? I think was this in the paper yesterday? Paul Gascoigne has had a picture of um, his daughter mm. tattooed. On I his mean, back. You see, I think that's quite nice. You oh, know, I'm a bit man. weird there. I think, I think you know, when, when it comes to these Chinese symbols and skulls and all this business, absolute nonsense. I mean, what, why would you want to have a skull on your body? But if there is somebody that is really, really special in your life and you want that put oh. onto your body, I don't see a major issue with that. It's, it's when there's no connection whatsoever. That's when it gets me. You're going to get your um, dog tattooed on your chest uh, or something? No, no, I'm not actually. I, um, was, for a long time, was a big fan of the rock group Kiss. Oh, yes. Uh, I do like a bit of Kiss. And Kiss fans are very much into their tattoos and mm. the number of gigs I've been at where drunk men have come up to me and go Ian have a look at me back <laughs> and they lift up their shirt and they have not just the four original members of Kiss <sighs> but the six other members throughout the years ten men tattooed on their back I mean I know they love the band but again I mean it, it may be a connection musically but you don't know those people so why yeah. have a tattoo of those people like, like the football ones people get tattoos of footballers yeah. on their body well you know, reality check here, guys, because that footballer is not going to stay with your club forever. They're going to get a transfer, potentially, to, to your rival club one day. It might well happen. Excellent reality check there for the guys, mm. Justin. Thank you. Thank you. See you later on. Cheers. Ta-ta. 08459 Travel news now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The mist and fog this morning causing a general slowdown on most of the major routes. I'm looking at the A1 at the moment. Eaton soaking to the Black Cat roundabout busy as usual. In Bedford it's slow on the Bromham Road as you come into Bedford there. Only looking a bit busy on the A509. Then several patches of traffic on the M1. It is busy past Milton Keynes. It is then slow on the approach to Flittick and Toddington. And you can expect delays as you go past Luton and indeed down past Hemel Hempstead down toward the M25. On the A1M you have a bit of slow moving traffic from Letchworth to Stevenage then if you're going into London expect delays on the A1 through Boreham Wood Hartford busy on the A414 so is London Coney and Himmel Hempstead probably a bit slow on the 414 as well looking at the A41 that's got a delay down to the M25 busy in Beaconsfield on the A355 M25 severe delays clockwise into the roadworks and anti-clockwise is looking slow as well Adam Glenn BBC Three Counties Radio Let's get the news now. It's Richard Williams. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8 o'clock, I'm Richard Williams. The headlines, investigations in Kenya continue, council defend approach on tackling street prostitution and all aboard the busway. BBC Three Counties Radio. Kenya's foreign minister has said a British woman was among the attackers who stormed a shopping centre in the country on Saturday, killing more than 60 people. The foreign officers yet to establish if the woman is Samantha Luthwaite from Buckinghamshire. From Nairobi, Mike Walridge reports. After further gunfire and explosions were heard from inside the Westgate shopping centre this morning, there were reports that the security forces were still trying to flush out one or two members of the Al-Shabaab Islamist group who seized the building on Saturday, even though the government had declared itself to be in full control late last night. But already increased attention is turning to the identity of the militants, with the Kenyan government pointing up international connections. British officials say they're aware of the foreign minister's comments and Britain will do everything it can to support Kenya in bringing everyone responsible for the shopping mall attack to justice. Residents of Hightown in Luton say not enough is being done to tackle street prostitution in the area, despite a major crackdown by authorities over the past three months. The council met last night to rubber stamp its plans to rid the area of street prostitutes. Asked by Ian earlier why the plan was five years, Laura Church from Luton Borough Council said many issues needed to be addressed. It it takes so long because we just have to deal with some of the underlying issues about why the women are involved in the sex trade. Uh, we need to tackle some of the issues around that the particular high town area uh, and how some of the housing estates work out. And that's a piece of work that the council's um, started on. We've just appointed an architect to look at the past estate. Street cleaners in Luton were left in the dark last night over their jobs after a council meeting. 18 workers faced redundancy but were excluded from the meeting just before the decision was made. Speaking to BBC Three Counties, Jimmy Cummings, a senior rep for the Union Unite at Luton Borough Council, believes there still might be a chance the jobs can be saved. There's still probably room for negotiation later on as the final exits of these people will be the end of uh, the financial year, March 31st, beginning of April. But nevertheless, sacking the low-paid, these are the next to the lowest-paid people in Luton Borough Council. Their redundancy packages is not going to be that great. They're just going to heap misery on these people. 
A ribbon-cutting ceremony takes place this morning to mark the formal opening of the Luton to Dunstable busway. The £90 million project, which is five months behind schedule, opens for passengers on Wednesday. Gail Sanderson reports. Planning started 20 years ago and it's taken three years to build the busway, which is behind schedule and over budget by about half a million pounds. Luton Council claim that at eight miles long, it's the second longest busway in the world and the longest in an urban environment. The route links Dunstable, Houghton Regis and Luton and uses the old railway line between Luton and Dunstable. Three different companies will operate services on the route. In sport, Watford take on Premier League side Norwich in League Lound 3 of the League Cup at Vicarage Road this evening. Luton are in conference action at Woking. And your weather for beds, hearts and bucks, the mist will lift this morning to leave a generally bright and sunny day and it will also be warm once again. A top temperature of 21 degrees Celsius, that's 70 degrees Fahrenheit. And don't forget, you can get all your latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's very misty out there. I like the mist. The mist is kind of romantic. No, not romantic. That's the wrong word. Creepy. That's it. Yes, creepy. Don't forget, if you're out there today driving... Please, please, put your lights on. Very, very simple. Lots coming up between now and JVS at nine o'clock including as a woman from uh, Buckinghamshire is rumoured to be involved. We'll have the latest on the situation in Kenya. We'll also be talking tattoos, annoying drivers and recycling. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Investigations continue to establish whether the British woman involved in the Kenyan terrorist attack is Samantha Luthwaite from Aylesbury. There's speculation in many of today's papers that she was involved. In March last year, officials say Samantha Luthwaite fled to Somalia and that officers were hunting a woman who used several identities, including hers. The uh, Foreign Office says it won't be drawn on identities at present. Meanwhile, the Kenyan Interior Minister is Joseph Olelenku. The terrorists could be running and hiding in some store somewhere or something, but all flaws now are under our control. I also confirm we have fully cordoned the building so that there is no room for escapees. Well, our foreign affairs reporter, Gavin Lee, has the latest details on the operation. Gavin, bring us up to date with uh, events overnight. Well, it's been gunfire heard again about two hours ago. Uh, according to our, to our team outside the building, they've said it's been relatively quiet since. There's still smoke, fire coming out of uh, the main part of the building from the roof, and uh, that's been put down to militants setting mattresses and other goods on fire. And from the descriptions we've now got from security forces from the government in Kenya, it sounds like the siege is in its uh, final stage, what's called the resolution phase of the rescue operation. And these are the facts that we know. At least 62 people have been killed. More than 170 have been injured. It's not thought that there are any any remaining hostages left and the Kenyan forces are now in control of most floors of the building. In fact, all floors, they say, but there are still a few factors unknown because 10 to 15 terrorists were still in the mall yesterday. Uh, we now know at least three have been killed. As for the rest, the interior minister has said they could be hiding in the building, but forces have control of the exit, so they can't escape. And in the past few hours, the Red Cross in Kenya has said at least 63 people are still unaccounted for, perhaps not hostages, but maybe hiding somewhere in the building too. In lots of today's papers, uh, a British woman is said to be involved 
involved and there is speculation it could be uh, Samantha Luthwaite from Aylesbury. What, what can you tell us about that, Gavin? Yeah, Lots of speculation about this. I mean, she was the widow of Jermaine Lindsay, one of the 9-11 bombers. She's been on the run for several years in Kenya since 2011, but it's not been substantiated. This is what we've been told last night from Kenya's Foreign Minister, Amina Mohammed. From the information that we have, two or three Americans, and I think so far I've heard of one Brit woman. She's, I think, done this many times before. The Americans are young men, uh, between maybe 18 and 19, of Somali origin or Arab origin, mm-hmm. but that, you know, lived in the US, in Minnesota and one other place. Al-Shabaab is, is not a group I've been particularly familiar with until this weekend. Tell me more about it yeah. and its capabilities. Well, the most useful way to consider them is a wing of Al-Qaeda. They have now officially merged with Al-Qaeda. They were rooted for years in Somalia, wanted to see an Islamic state in Somalia, someone to see a, a caliphate uh, set up in Somalia, but they've become a more regionalised force. They're principally made up of radicalised Somalis, thought to be about 8,000 strong. They have foreign recruits. They're thought to be about 50 British recruits, some from America as well, according to recent intelligence reports. And they you know, are effective in sort of towns and, and rural villages and that rule with a deeply draconian Taliban-style lifestyle, intensely repressive regime in, in Somalia. But it's notable, particularly for British authorities, that this group has been using social media, using it English as the first language to publicise these attacks. The spokesperson is British as well. And just a brief word as well about what the British Foreign Office says, Foreign Office says about the comments and speculation that it could be Samantha Luthwaite. They've said they are aware of these comments, they support the investigation. There's all sorts of mixed messages here, though, Ian, because the Kenyan Interior Minister, the day before, said all the attackers were categorically men. Some may have been dressed as women, but there may have been confusion with CCTV footage, as a pony sale was seen on the back of one of the attackers, which could have been a bandana. But there's been lots of eyewitnesses this morning in the newspapers in Kenya saying that this was a woman giving orders, but we don't know any more than that at the moment. Gavin Lee, thank you very much indeed. Oh, I pressed the wrong button there. A little jingle should have come in to break that up. And uh, our moving on to the conversation about tattoos. It didn't happen, so we'll do it anyway. Richard's in Stevenage. Good morning, Richard. Hi, Ian. Uh, have you got any tats? Um, I do. I've got one on my uh, right wrist. What On your wrist? What is it? Um, it's a symbol for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The band. Uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yeah. Why would, you, why would you... Listen, I love the monkeys more than life itself, but I would never get their logo tattooed on me. <laughs> why would you do that? Um, I've, been a, I've been a fan for um, many years, and uh, they're the ones that sort of got me into uh, that style of music and what, what got me playing the guitar, so... OK, that's, well, that's, that's a... But you've not called in about that. You've got a friend who's got a tattoo. No, uh, it's not a friend. It was actually it's a, an article I saw in a paper, but it was, I think it was the, the late 90s, um, and... Uh, there was a Newcastle United fan who got a tattoo of uh, Andy Cole, uh, the striker. Oh, yes. Uh, um, footballer. And it was in, in the full Newcastle kit and everything. And the very next day, he signed for Man United. Oh, fantastic. So he's got this fella tattooed on him. And 24 hours later, he goes and signs to another football team. That's correct, yeah. This is the problem you see with tattoos. Things change. If you get the, you know, if, if you get the name of your wife tattooed on you, you might split up with her. The name of a girlfriend, the name of... It's a silly thing to do. You might go off the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I have done. <laughs> <laughs> you realise their last al- album, Stadium Arcadia or whatever, was a load of old tosh. And... Uh- yeah, it, it, it was unfortunate. Yeah, this, I, I, I like the, uh, the late, late 80s, Mother's Milk. Um, it's your classic and, peppers, uh, isn't it? It's your classic peppers, that is. The stuff that they're recent stuff is rubbish. But are you going to keep that tattoo? Yeah, I'm going to keep it. 
Um, I think I will. I, I have thought about removing it a couple of times. Yeah. So I, 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 I might just keep it there because more effort to remove it, really. Richard, they might they might return to form one day. Who knows? They might make another decent album. I don't think they will. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Lots of you on Facebook this morning. Thank you very much. Facebook.com forward slash uh, BBC 3CR. We've been asking, what irritates you about drivers? The thing that gets me is in a petrol station... When drivers don't realise, those pumps, hey, those pumps will stretch to the other side of your car. I always feel quite smug when I drive past someone who's waiting because they want to get the pump on the same side as their car. And I stretch it over my vehicle. Uh, lots of you on Facebook. Sorry, I've been digesting cake that we've, uh, we've been eating this morning. Uh, people who see one snowflake, says Colin, and hit the brakes because they don't know how to drive. That does get me. I know how to drive in the snow. Lots of people don't. Lots of people don't, and it's so annoying. Steve says, drivers who overtake cyclists too close. I got told, oh, I, this happened to me. I was in London the other day, and I got told off for pulling out uh, left. A car stopped suddenly in front of me, and I had to kind of pull out to the left a bit to avoid it. I was probably going too fast. And I didn't nearly, I didn't nearly hit a cyclist. I didn't nearly hit him, but a cyclist had to move a little bit. And I kind of drove past him, and I sort of waved to say, sorry, sorry, mate, my fault, Sorry. We made friends. Saw some traffic lights. I got a little knock on the window. Wound it down. Yes. Would you mind driving a little bit better, please? You nearly knocked my son off his bicycle. Oh, blimey. Now, normally, your reaction in that situation would be to tell the gentleman to jog on. I didn't. I accepted responsibility, and I apologised. And I think that threw him a little bit. And then I pushed him off his bike and drove away. I didn't. It was a joke. One more of these. Drivers, uh, uh, men who need to make up for their lack of manhood, height says Teresa, by tearing around and driving like idiots, failing to indicate, cutting you up and never apologising for anything. Well, isn't that naughty? Emma's in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Emma. Morning. Tattoos are disgusting, aren't they? <laughs> no, not really. I, I quite like them. I have a small one on my wrist. Yes. Um, which I had when... Um, when my brother died, and it was a, it's a small heart, and it's made up of Hebrew writing that means life. Um, so it's got great sort of sentimental value, and well, I don't I, regret it having it done. I, I, I'm but, forced because of the, the story there to step away from my. They, just, they are disgusting remarks. But couldn't couldn't you, obviously it helps you remember, and it's, you, you feel it's kind of a tribute. But wouldn't wouldn't the photo in your your purse or or, or a brooch or something been more appropriate? Um, very probably. Um, I was thinking of having one done anyway, but I actually hadn't decided on what to have done. But right. when he when he died, um, it just sort of suddenly came to mind, and it, it's also turned out. Oh, I don't know. It's got other sentimental reasons okay. as well. But the, the words that sort of came came to just stuck out in my mind. So uh, I, I designed the you know had it designed around that, but. Um, that that was sort of quite sad, and I'm glad I had it done. It does it is my way of remembering him. But um, I had it done um, with a black outline and red ink, and um, it started to actually itch like mad and go all scabby and raised and horrible. And it was like that for about two years, um, and I, I found out that um, red ink is quite a common one to be allergic to, and I obviously happen to be allergic oh. to it. 
So um, it's taken about two, two and a half years to actually calm down, and I had this red monstrosity on my wrist. So you've had a, a big scabby wrist for two <laughs> yeah. years, and it's itching like crazy. Yeah. Because you're allergic to the ink. Has it, how, long ago, so. how long ago did you get this done, Emma? About two and a half oh. years ago. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm. Is it better now? It, uh, it is, yes. Apparently, the ink has to kind of reject from your skin. So, uh, I know. But you I don't, know. you don't regret it. No. Okay, well, listen. Thank you very much indeed. I, 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 yes, of course. I think uh, 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 the, the sad story linked with that. I step away from the, the disgusting uh, uh, comment in relation to Emma. Although a scabby arm for two years. Ugh. Ooh. Hey, that's a nice. Have you seen my tattoo? That's no tattoo. That's a scab. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. But I, I generally stand by my comment that tattoos are pretty grim. It's eight fifteen. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Looking at the cameras on the M1, I'll be honest, in some spaces you can hardly see the carriageway for the fog and the mist that's still rolling across, but traffic's looking very, very slow, particularly past Milton Keynes Junction, 14 to 13 looking busy, and then past Toddington it slows again before getting busy round Luton, and looking slow all the way down past Redbourne at Junction 9 and toward the M25. So, patchy traffic the whole way down the motorway if you're travelling London-bound. The northbound side doesn't look as bad. We haven't had reports of any accidents or broken-down cars through there, but if you're caught and you can see what's going on, do give us a call if it's safe on 08459 455 555. Slow into Bedford this morning. The Bromham Road is looking busy, as is the A6 on the southbound side. Further down on the A6, around Clophill and Barton Clay, there are some delays. A1, it's slow to the uh, from Eaton Token to the Black Cat roundabout. Busy then from Letchworth to Stevenage and slow in London, Boreham Wood down toward Mill Hill Circus. You've got big delays on the M25 through the roadworks. Clockwise, which doesn't usually look too busy, is looking very slow this morning and anti-clockwise looking very, very busy as well. Trains and tubes, though, are running without problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Coming up to 8.17, it's Tuesday the 24th of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Kenya's foreign minister has claimed that a British woman was involved in the Nairobi terror attack. Residents of Hightown in Luton say not enough is being done to combat prostitution in the area, despite a major crackdown by authorities over the past three months. In sport, Watford take on Premier League side Norwich at Vicarage Road tonight in the League Cup. And Luton are away at Woking in the conference. Coming up, we'll have more on the story about a number of street cleaners being given the elbow. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're at home, sit back, because this is going to be very, very interesting. You've got the selfie, the legsy, the bumsy. (laughs) You're going to start that trend. Roberto Peroni. We seem to be heading um, headlong into war again. We're very keen to stop this from happening. We don't know where this might lead. The lie that took us into the Iraq war could become a shocking truth in this one. Roberto Peroni. 
Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. He dashed down here like a mad thing being fired out of a cannon. I haven't quite got my breath back yet. Do you want me to play a song or something? What's A song? Play play a record. Neil Sadaka. Have you heard the new Chaz and Dave song? I'm not a I'm not a great lover of Chaz and Dave. Snooker loopy nuts are we? Pop oh. the red then screw back for the yellow green brown blue pink and black. Snooker loopy nuts are we? We're all snooker loopy. This is I got sent the new one. Two worlds collide. I like a bit of Chaz and Dave. Have a listen to this. <laughs> if you see what you think of this, you might. Uh, oh, hang on a second. Let's. Uh, <laughs> what? I know my uh, my friend Paul Paul Garner. I went to his house one day. He said, "Oh, the father-in-law's in the front room. Do you want to go and meet him?" I said, well, "No, not really." He said, "No, I think you do." I said, "I don't really." He said, "No, come on, come and meet the father-in-law." I walked in. It was Chaz from Chaz and Dave. Really? Yes. This is their new single. Have a listen. I think you'll like this. <laughs> Very good. It's, it's catchy, isn't it? I'm thinking of making this my record of the week. Think of introducing a record of the week feature just so we can play this every single day. Excellent. Do you want to do you want to take the CD? And you can play it on your show. No, drop, thank you. No, drop the Michael Bublé. Yes. Sneak this in. No, thank you. No, no. Listen. Drop. There we go. Happens <laughs> when two worlds collide. <laughs> Okay, that's lovely. Well, listen, let me give you this, because you can take this. Drop Michael no, Bublé today. No, honestly. Drop Candy by Robbie Williams. No one wants to hear that. Take that. No, honestly. Go. go on, take it. Take really? it. Really? Yeah, go on, enjoy it. Oh, good. It'll be a lot of fun. That's what happens when two worlds collide. That's what happens when two cockneys decide to go into musical partnership together. That's what happens. They make classic tunes. What's on your show this morning, Jonathan? Coming up on the big phone in this morning from nine, I'm asking, are street cleaners a luxury we can no longer afford? We're expecting confirmation, as you've been discussing this morning, that Luton Borough Council sacked street cleaners last night in a bid to save money. The council needs to save around £370,000 from its street cleaning budget this year. Well, I remember listening to a conversation you had with Councillor Dave Taylor back in August. So, Dave, as a, finally, as a, as a councillor representing Luton Borough Council, so you're saying the streets of Luton are dirty and they're going to get worse. I, I wouldn't agree with the overall statement that all the Luton streets are dirty. No, not all of them. A, signi- a significant number are, and they're going to get worse. Yeah. So the streets of Luton are going to get worse, they're going to get dirtier. But are street cleaners a luxury we can no longer afford? Do you think we've got to accept that us as individuals, we've got to get out there, we've got to start picking up the litter on our streets, we've got to make more of an effort. Mm. We've got to perhaps adopt the attitude you see in other European countries where people get a bucket and a mop out and go and clean the street outside their house. If it's going to save money... It's something we've all got to do. From nine this morning, our street cleaners are luxury we can no longer afford. 08459 455 555 for your call. You do, I tell you what you don't see anymore. What's that? Old women scrubbing their doorstep. When was the last time you saw someone scrubbing a doorstep? Well, probably me, actually. <laughs> you do this, I do, don't you? I do. You, you, well, and you're right, you, you take, do take some civic pride. You went and cleaned all of your neighbours' garage doors, didn't you? I did. I've also gone up and down the street with, uh, with uh, why do I admit these things? I've gone up the street with a bucket with some flash in and a sponge, and I've cleaned the street signs at the end of the road. Because they were getting a bit, a bit mossy. So I clean them, they're sparkling now. 
and people gave me funny looks. I thought, no, you can put that funny look away <laughs> because I'm making my street look very smart. I'm laughing, but you're doing... I, I pick up litter on my street. If I'm out in the woods as well or in the park, I'll pick up litter if, I, if, if it's nearby. But I wouldn't clean the street. You, what did you, you had some pledge or something. No, no, no. I took a bucket, hot water, soapy water. That's all right, then. Because those street signs, after a few years, they can get a little bit mossy and mouldy. Don't they? But you give them a quick spritz with something, get your bucket and sponge out, go up to the end of your street. When I spoke about this last time on the programme, I had people tweeting me pictures of their sparkling street signs. They'd all taken the initiative. They'd gone out with a bucket and a sponge... And, you know, station roads all over Beds, Hearts and Bucks, sparkling. You are an inspiration to all of us. (laughs) (laughs) 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still weird, though. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You heard the clip of uh, Dave Taylor uh, there, and uh, we'll be speaking to Dave a bit later on. But we are still talking about these street cleaners in Luton. They were forbidden from hearing the fate of their jobs at a council meeting last night. The jobs of eighteen workers were being decided at the executive meeting in the town, but the public was excluded from the meeting just before the decision was made. Well, I'm joined now by Martin Gould from the uh, Unite Union in Bedfordshire. Martin, I imagine you're you're pretty uh, peeved at what happened. Yeah, morning, just a little bit. And it's the first time I've heard straight clean. That's called a luxury as well. Somebody's got a sense of humour there. Well, do, 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 we can discuss what Jonathan's talking about. Do you think that street cleaners are a luxury or a necessity? They're a necessity. I mean, like we said last night, and um, you played the clip earlier on from Tom Bainbridge, who's in the town at five o'clock in the morning cleaning up all the mess from the night before, the stuff that people never see? I mean, and that's what JBS just said, to go out and clean the streets yourself. Are you going to come out and clean Luton Town Centre? Well, I think what JBS is alluding to is, is, is people having responsibility for their immediate kind of neighbourhood. Well, that's all, that's all well and good. I can't see it happening. Well, I, I tell you what, you give him a call after nine o'clock, <laughs> and you, yeah. you set him straight. I'd tune in for that. What was the outcome of the meeting last night, Martin? I haven't got a clue. We were excluded. Now, why, uh, why was that? So, so there were street cleaners there, and then yep. at some point someone said, right, I'm afraid you're all going to have to leave now. This bit of the meeting is private. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I think it was pretty well explained by Paul earlier on this morning when he spoke to him. We were all excluded, even the press. So, And, and that's because, what, what the, the secret contracts <clears throat> were being discussed? Well, they're claiming it's yellow pages, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's meet and enclosure. But at the end of the day, the people that were there last night were not members of the public. We were street cleaners. It is our jobs that are on the line. We're the ones that they're looking at making redundant. I mean, and I am one of them. <clears throat> um, so I can't see where they, the council can even class us as public. I mean, it's our jobs that are on the line. We should be allowed to have our say. Unfortunately, the council is listening. So we, we don't know what happened, whether 18 street cleaners are going to lose their jobs or not. Well, last night was the executive, uh, and whatever recommendation they made as to whether the 18 jobs go or not, and it look, it sounds as though that they made that recommendation, will then go at some stage to a full council meeting, uh, and that will be in public, and we will be back and we will be in the public gallery. Put it into context for us, Martin, the loss of 18 jobs, what impact would that have on Luton? It's going to take you down to something like 65 street cleaners, now, a few years ago, and I think that's been explained earlier as well, we were working with 67 street cleaners 
as you know, the population is forever increasing, the town is getting bigger. We couldn't manage there to take on agency staff. I mean, and at one stage, we were up to 102 employees. Now, uh, through retirement and voluntary redundancies, that's already been cut down to, I think it's 85, 86. Now they want to take away another 18. And it's, it's just not going to work. Do you, I mean, you were talking this morning. Sorry, no, you were talking on. this morning about the opening of this brilliant new busway. Oh, it's exciting, got, isn't it? That's, oh, yeah, that's got to be cleaned for the next two years. That's more extra work, and yet we're going to have less people to do it. Do you think there's any <coughs> chance that the council might change their mind? We'll try our best. I mean, as a union, we'll fight to protect jobs, and we'll fight right until the end when they kick us out of the door. But, I mean, as I said to the chair last night, Councillor Simmons, I thought it was absolutely disgusting that it was our jobs that were at risk and we were being excluded. Now, Paul Scoynes, who, uh, our political reporter who you alluded to earlier, was at, uh, yeah. uh, has been told by a council source that it, it has gone through, that it's definite that 18 mm. workers are going to lose their jobs. Well, that's the recommendation of the executive. As I said, that's still got to go before full council. <clears throat> and what are you going to do to uh, combat mm. that decision? We will have to keep pressurising the council. Uh, make them see. I Strikes? Mean, uh, uh, I'm not going to go that far at the moment. What I will say is, Unite as a union has already had a consultative ballot. And we had 100% support to take further action to try and save these jobs. So th- there could be bin strikes at some point in the future? I'm not going to go that far. What I'm saying is we've had a consultative ballot and the response we got was 100% support. Whether that be strikes or whether it be other types of action and other types of pressure, I mean, that will be for the likes of myself, Jimmy Cummins, to talk to our regional officer about and see where we go from there with the support of the workforce. But but so 100% in favour of some sort of action and that could Mm. potentially at some point include strikes. Potentially, but I'm not that far. We, as a union, we can only do what our members want. If our members say they want action short or strike action, then that's what we'll go for. If our members tell us that they're prepared to lose money and go out on strike to save the jobs, then we'll have to consider it. Martin, we're speaking to Dave Taylor later on. He's the councillor in charge of the Environment Department at Luton Borough Council. What would you like to say to him? <laughs> now, that is a difficult one, because I thought I was actually going to be on with Dave. And to give Dave his due, he's one of the few councillors that has actually come out and supported us, and he supported us again last night in the meet, in the bit of the meeting that we were allowed to attend. But I would just say to Dave, you know, what sort of town do you want to live in? And I would also remind him as well, which was another point we were going to raise last night but weren't allowed to, that Luton just recently finished in the top four authorities for cleanliness of the streets in a national competition. And that's, I mean, that's, that, that's not sustainable if these changes go through? It's not sustainable at all. If you're going to take away about 20% of the workforce, then no, your streets are going to get dirtier. You're going to have more fly tipping. There'll, there'll be rubbish lying around. <clears throat> Martin, listen, we'll end it there. Go and have a good clear of your throat and a glass of water. Martin Goodall from the Unite Union in Bedfordshire. We will be speaking to Dave Taylor a little bit later on. I'm Ian Lee. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Many of the main routes through the Three Counties are seeing delays this morning. The M1 is very patchy, past Milton Keynes, past Toddington, past Luton and past Hemel Hempstead, all on the London-bound side. A1 is looking slow from Eaton-Soken to the Black Cap roundabout, also very busy on the A1M Letchworth to Stevenage. If you're heading toward London using the A10, expect it to slow right down through Chesant. In fact, the delays on the sensors almost look like they're back as far as Broxbourne. It's then slow through Enfield as well if you're going further into London. Same for the A1, that's really slow through Boreham Wood down toward Mill Hill Circus. 414, busy in Hartford, also slow at the London Coney roundabout. The A1081 in Harpenden still looks busy. The A5 through Dunstable and the A6 through Clop Hill both have some short delays. And if you're driving to or from Aylesbury, little patches of traffic on the A41 being picked up by the speed sensors as well. Not to mention the roadworks in Beaconsfield causing delays on the A355 and, of course, the roadworks on the M25 causing delays both clockwise and anti-clockwise this morning. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's just gone 8.30 with the headlines. I'm Richard Williams. Kenya's foreign minister has said a British woman was among the attackers who stormed a shopping centre in the country on Saturday, killing more than 60 people. The foreign office has yet to establish whether the woman is Samantha Luthwaite from Buckinghamshire. Street cleaners in Luton were left in the dark over fate of their jobs at a council meeting last night. 18 workers faced redundancy but were excluded from the meeting just before the decision was made. A few moments ago, speaking to Ian, unions did not rule out possible strike action. Residents of High Town in Luton said not enough has been done to combat prostitution in the area, despite a major crackdown by authorities over the past three months. The council met last night to rubber stamp its plans to rid the area of street prostitutes. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford are in action this evening. The Hornets take on Premier League side Norwich at Vicarage Road in round three of the League Cup. And manager Gianfranco Zola is expected to make changes and new loan signing Josh McEachern should be involved. Zola welcomes a chance to play top flight opposition. It's a good challenge for, 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 for our players like it was last year against uh, Manchester City. Mm. We want to see where we stand right now and I think it would be a great opportunity for, for some of our young players also to, to see the standard where we, we need to get. Meanwhile, Luton Town could have striker Paul Benson and defender Alex Lacey back for tonight's conference match at Woking. Skipper Ronnie Henry will also play despite an argument with a supporter after the win over Lincoln. Henry believes negative comments from some of the fans is affecting young players' development at Kenilworth Road. So does John, uh, Hatter's manager John Still agree? I don't know completely and I can't say yet whether their development has been affected or not. I I can't because they're not far enough up the line. But tell me anyone, anyone that enjoys abuse. And there's commentary of both Watford and Luton's games tonight on BBC Three Counties Radio. Leighton Orient's perfect start to the season continues. Russell Slade's side beat Brentford 2-0 at Griffin Park last night to make it eight wins out of eight in League One. The former world snooker champion Sean Murphy has called for Stephen Lee to be given a lifetime ban. Lee was found guilty of seven charges of match-fixing last week in what the sport's governing body called the worst case of corruption it had ever seen. He'll be sentenced later today and Murphy says Lee should never play again. I think things do need to be looked at as to why he found himself in a position where he felt the need to cheat. 
but ultimately, you know, as a professional sportsman, he's not just defrauded himself, he's defrauded the game and its members and its reputation. And for that, I don't think we should ever see Stephen Lee play professional snooker again. And finally, golf. Henrik Stenson's week gets better after winning over $11 million at the weekend. The European Ryder Cup captain Paul McGinley said the Swede has all but secured his place on the team for Glen Eagles next year. There's more at nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Lots to cram in between now and a JVS at nine o'clock, including... Well, I'm getting a bit bunged up. That's not part of what uh, we're going to be including, but... Who's got a cold around here? Producer Tara. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot, mate. Uh, including, I have my Vicks with me, don't worry, I'll be fine. Uh, we'll be talking uh, about uh, recycling, about street cleaning, about driving. No, 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 no. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. But before that, Kenya's foreign minister has claimed that a British woman was involved in the Nairobi terror attack. The Foreign Office says it's investigating whether she is Samantha Luthwaite from Buckinghamshire. Well, Samantha was married to Jermaine Lindsay, who killed 26 people when he blew himself up on a tube train in London in the 7-7 attacks. Well, I'm joined now by Raj Khan, who has known Samantha since she was a little girl. Morning, Raj. How did you know Samantha? Good morning to you. Yeah, I mean, Samantha, we knew her from family. I mean, her family and our family used to socialise and get you know, get together and all this. Um, we used to mix regularly through family when she was a little kid. And I found her a very innocent young girl when she was. She was a very lacking confidence, shy, and always would help others. And she was your average, normal, Ellsbury young girl. When was the last time you saw her, Raj? I saw her before the 7-7 happened. In fact, they came to see me in my professional capacity uh, as a county councillor to help them with the housing issue. Uh, but that was obviously a very brief and a professional call upon me. Um, and that's when I met Jermaine too. But uh, meeting Jermaine was very brief. But Samantha I knew for a while. And she hadn't changed. She was the same person. She was a follower, not a leader. And when you say before uh, seven seven, how, how close to that attack was it? Probably about a month before. Right, and and you, as far as you were concerned, she was you know apart from growing up, she was the same girl that you'd known as uh, when she was a youngster. She was the same person. She was shy. She was helpful. She was sweet. You know, a, a normal young, you know, sixteen, seventeen year old girl would be at that age, and so helpful. And I am absolutely so amazed. I'm so worried. I'm. Ho- Horrified by what I see on an international level, um, I can't imagine that the young girl that I knew is now probably involved with such a sophisticated international terrorist organisation. Well, she's on the fr- on the front page of a lot of the newspapers. I mean, I was looking at the the, the Mail here. Did White Widow is a nickname die in the siege? I mean, th- th- what do you think when you hear the speculation that she may possibly have been involved in this attack? Well, I mean, I would say that until there's hard proof to suggest it is her. I would hold myself back because I think it's unfair to trial by media. I think we have to wait. If she is involved, then certainly it is very worrying, very frightening how a young British girl could be involved with such atrocities. And we condemn what, uh, if she's done everything what they're supposed to have done. And my biggest worry is that my good faith of my religion has been associated once again with terrorism. A Muslim is not a terrorist, and a terrorist is not a Muslim. 
how does someone seemingly so in inverted commas normal become corrupted and become involved in 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 terrorist activities or or, or, uh, you know unnecessary violence against other people well my i mean i'm no expert on terrorism but i can say one thing the only thing i could think of and knowing samantha that i knew um that she could be under duress she could be she was always a follower she was never a leader and i just can't i just can't see for the life of me that she would have gone out and done everything um that she's supposed to have done she has been a follower and she lacked confidence and it worries me it frightens me uh, that she could be what they're saying but i'm holding an uh, open mind at the moment until they can prove otherwise raj i appreciate your time and we may possibly be speaking about this again at some uh, date in the future that's raj khan who uh, has known Samantha Luthwaite, who is, is... There are stories suggesting that she may have been involved in the uh, Nairobi terror attack. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Street cleaners in Luton were forbidden from hearing the fate of their jobs at a council meeting last night. The jobs of 18 workers were being decided at the executive meeting in the town, but the public was excluded from the meeting just before the decision was made. Tom Bainbridge, a Luton street cleaner facing redundancy, told our political reporter Paul Scoynes he was furious. I think it's disgusting that people are fighting for their jobs. We've got people out there. There's, a, there's one of our crews now. These people come in at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning. Where are these councillors at 5 o'clock in the morning when we're out here cleaning this stuff? Where are they when they're cleaning up people's sick? We've got human beings now in this town, believe it or not. Human waste is on the floor. We have to clean that. But they don't see that. The people that go to work in the morning in their suits and their nice clean clothes don't see that because we've already cleaned it. That's what we do for a living. And they're trying to cut us back. For £16,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah, a year. And these people are £130,000 a year, £80,000 a year. Plus expenses. Plus, plus expenses, plus expenses. bloody driving and everything else. We don't get paid that. We go and clean the dog's rubbish. Well, Labour councillor Dave Taylor is in charge of the environment at Luton Borough Council. Dave, why were the workers told to leave the meeting? Uh, good morning, Ian. Um, I was disappointed. Uh, I did meet them outside um, and they came in and I did ask why was this uh, important decision being taken in private. But the legal advice was, and we have to take the legal advice from our own officers, uh, was it could have identified people that were uh, up for redundancy. It could have identified individuals. Well, can you, Dave, can you tell us the decision that was reached last night? The decision was reached that I did explain that every department in the town hall um, uh, has to put forward uh, budget savings because of the, 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 the impossible position that we're in having to save millions and millions of pounds are, every year. Are 18 street cleaners going to lose their jobs? Um, we're still working on trying to absorb some of them into refuse collection. Uh, we, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's a difficult decision to take. It's a decision that I did not want to take. 
Um, but we have to put £369,000 worth of savings okay, well, it, it, towards it, a budget reduction. It does, sound like a decision, does, does, does sound like a decision has been made. So what is the decision? Yeah. How many people yeah. will be yeah. losing their jobs? We, we, made, we, made, we made the decision, um, and staffing levels originally would be reduced by 18 posts. We've now got that down to 16 posts, and we're working to try. We're, we're, we're really working hard uh, to make sure that those redundancies are a minimum. But unfortunately, that's the times that we live in. So 16 um, people we, will be losing their jobs. Now, when we spoke yeah. before, Dave, you, you told me that uh, Luton is dirty and it's going to get dirtier. The street cleaners we've spoken to have said Luton is going to get dirtier. Yep, yep. Standards will drop. There's no doubt about that at all. They are the facts. It's a decision that I didn't want to make. It's a decision my colleagues didn't want to make. We've always been proud of our workforce, proud of our street cleaners you know, for the effort that they put in and, and, and the consistency of that effort that they put in to keep, the, to, to keep the town clean. And it's a difficult decision that we have to make. You're trying to attract more business into Luton, so you want, you want yeah. to present it in the best possible light. It's going to have an effect on that, could potentially have an effect on public health. Residents of Luton have every right to be a little bit concerned about what's happening, yeah. haven't they? Yeah, I'm concerned as well. I mean, but we still we still will have 52 street cleaners in post, and we will concentrate on the town centre. Uh, but the outlying areas of, of, the, of the town, some of them won't see uh, any cleaning for a fortnight. That is very difficult. That's something we didn't want to do. What I don't understand, Dave, Dave is, is that if I've got this right, street cleaners, they're the second lowest paid workers on the council's book. So it's not going to save that yeah. much in, in comparison to other departments, is it? Yeah, that's right. Well, it saves £369,000 a year um, by cutting those jobs. We didn't want to do it, and I, you know, I, I, I felt bad about doing it. And I talked to the street cleaners outside before the meeting and talked to them, you know, at, at the meeting afterwards. I mean, it was a very difficult decision, and I never thought I'd see the day mm. come to this town. So this decision, this decision has been made because you have to save money. The council has yeah. to save money. Because we're in an impossible position that the government have put us in by saving many, many, I think it's something like £47 million that we've got to save. Um, and I don't think we've seen the worst of it yet. OK, so you're doing this to save money. Can I ask, uh, last night, uh, uh, you made eight, 16 people redundant in an attempt to save money, and then you and your officers go off to a nice dinner at the Luton Who Hotel to coincide with the opening of the busway at £1,000 a table. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was sponsored by, by, by the, the conference attendees, by the businesses, because there was a conference so going did, on at the Thistle Hotel. So did so, the council pay? No, we didn't. There was no cost whatsoever to the council. If it had been a cost to the council, we would not have gone. Look, still I was looks, honest, I was still honest with the street cleaners. I told the street cleaners Dave, where we were going. It still looks pretty rubbish. 16 people are going to lose their jobs, although they've only just had that confirmed by you being on the radio. Then you'll swan off to a, a swanky dinner at the Luton Who at £1,000 a table. It's kind of rubbing yeah, their yeah. noses in it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was no cost to that to the council. But still, it, it doesn't matter if there was a cost or not. It looks yeah. very arrogant, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I explained but you went. to the, the street cleaners where we were going. But you went. And I, I, we went, yeah, because it it's culminates in the bus ride Did you, today, Dave, which I'm on my way to now. If I just sacked 16 people, 
I would feel very, very uncomfortable sitting at a table yeah. that was costing a thousand pounds with a champagne re- reception. Yeah. I'd feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. I possibly wouldn't have gone on the same day I'd sacked 16 people. Yeah. We were not celebrating sacking of the street no, cleaners. We're I'm celebrating not, the, the, the opening of the busway. And I'm not suggesting that you were celebrating that, but can you, you can see how people who are about to lose their jobs... Yeah. Uh, could, could would see that as kind of I don't know an arrogance that you could go and sit at a table that cost a thousand pounds a table a champagne yep, reception yep, absolutely and I was honest with the street cleaners outside but when why? I told them where myself and Sean were going but that doesn't make it any better that doesn't make no, it, it any doesn't, easier it to swallow it doesn't make it any any better we were we were guests of the conference to, to celebrate the opening of the busway did you ever consider not going I did consider not going I did inquire. Is there any cost to the council? And there was not any cost to the council. But the cost to, to your dignity? Well, not necessarily my, my dignity. You know, I, 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 I was open and honest about it. Well, it doesn't. But so you just, it, it, just to finalise, because we're running a little bit late, you think it's totally appropriate to go to a yeah. champagne reception where it costs £1,000 a table yeah. on the day that you've, you've sacked 16 yeah. people? Just to, to celebrate the opening of the busway, which has been going on for 16 years. You, you think that's appropriate? Well... I mean, it's, it's, it's if you think that's inappropriate, fair enough. So you're se- to celebrate the fact that something has gone over time and over budget, you've gone to a swanky champagne reception at £1,000 yeah. a table on the day yeah. you sack 16 people, and, and that's acceptable. And I, I'm, I'm just on my way to the opening now. Okay. And I'll, probably, I'll probably see you down there if you're, if you're down there. Dave, thank you very much indeed. It's a different world, isn't it? 16 people are going to lose their jobs. Got it down from 18. Well done, guys. So on the same, not even the same day, the same evening that 16 people are going to lose their jobs. They didn't know they were going to lose their jobs. They had to find out this morning. You go off to a champagne reception, sitting at a table that costs £1,000 a table. Yes, the council haven't paid for it. That's fantastic. But still, it's just the image that presents. We're all in this together, guys. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking very slow this morning on the M1 London bound. You've got delays that start at Milton Keynes and head down toward Flittick and Toddington. Then it's busy past Luton and Harpenden toward Redbourne and a little slow past Temple Hempstead down to the M25. The A1, it's busy at the Black Cat roundabout. Then a reasonably clear run until you get as far as Letchworth and from there to Stevenage is pretty slow. Into London delays through Boreham Wood. Quite busy into Aylesbury. The A41 looking slow from Aston Clinton into Aylesbury. And then as you come down to the M25, you can expect a delay through Kings Langley. The A413 in Wendover looking particularly busy this morning. Both ways, in fact. M25, you've got big queues through the roadworks. It's been heavy both clockwise and anti-clockwise on and off. Still very patchy traffic and it's also slow anti-clockwise as you go past Rickmansworth down toward the M40. If the M40 is your route of choice into London, it's a queue pretty much from the end of the M40 right the way down the A40 in towards Shepherd's Bush. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much, Adam. 8.48, a little bit later than normal, but I thought that was uh, worth pursuing there with Dave. It's Tuesday the 24th of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Kenya's foreign minister has claimed that a British woman was involved in the Nairobi terror attack. 
The Foreign Office says it's investigating whether she is Samantha Luthwaite from Buckinghamshire. Unions in Luton have not ruled out possible strike action to save street cleaners' jobs in the town. This morning, the council have confirmed that 16 street cleaners will be losing their jobs. In sport, Watford take on Norwich in the League Cup at Vicarage Road. Oh, we'll speak to Justin Dealey in a second about what annoys you on the street. But before that, let's get the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Met Office have a yellow weather warning in place for dense fog. It's causing some visibility issues out on the roads this morning, but it should start to brighten up through the course of the day and allow some sunshine in maybe this afternoon. The maximum temperature, a warm 21 Celsius, a similar night to the one we've just had, some mist and fog developing, and it's going to be mild, the minimum down to 12 Celsius, 54 degrees in Fahrenheit. And that's your forecast. Tonight we've got both league and cup football. Watford hosts Norwich in the third round of the League Cup. Let's oh! the goalkeeper! What a goal! From Christian Batokio! And Luton are away to Woking in the conference. Here's Guthridge now at the other end. He strikes one. Guthridge scores his third of the season. Hatters or Hornets, choose the game you want to listen to tonight from seven in Three County Sport. Uh, we're just speaking to Dave Taylor about the uh, cuts to um, the, the number of street cleaners. It was going to be 18. They've managed to get it down to 16. But on the same day, the same evening those cuts were decided, Dave Taylor and other members of the council went to a swanky champagne reception at Luton Hoo to celebrate the opening of the over-budget uh, busway. And the tables cost £1,000 per table. Now, the council didn't pay for those, but it, it's the image it presents that sits a little bit uncomfortably with me. Maybe I'm being a little bit oversensitive. Julie's in Luton. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Ian. What did, what did you make of what Dave was saying? Well, I, I just couldn't believe it. I was appalled to, the, to listen to him turn around and say, I told the guys where I was going. That's an insult. And then to go and sit at a table, waiting for this way, which will never get his money back sits there and he has his wine, he has his dinner, and then probably goes out for a quick uh, cigar afterwards, laughing and joking all night about it, after making 18, 16 to 18 people unemployed. First thing I want to know is, why did he pick on the lowest of the pay in Luton Council? Why didn't he start at the top and work down, where he could have saved extra money? And probably, they, these people are taking two and three hour lunches at a time. I'm disgusted with the men. Julie, if I, I, well, listen, I don't know if he, if he smoked a cigar or how long his lunch break is, but uh, if I'm honest, if I had had to make 16 people redundant, I don't think that evening I could go to a swanky champagne reception to celebrate something that was already way over budget. I don't think I could do that. It wouldn't sit very comfortably with me. A normal person would have made the meeting maybe next week and have his busway opening last night or what have you, his wine and song do the meeting next week after it's done but this man had the meeting and he rubbed it in their noses as he walked out the door are you worried about what might happen to the streets of luton uh, with these cuts in street cleaners if these street cleaners weren't there the garbage is going to just pile up because people not aren't like jonathan who pick it up i'll pick it up outside my own doorstep i'm not going to walk down and pick up stuff that i don't know where it's been or what it's what's on it Julie, thank you very much indeed. People feeling very passionate about this. No doubt we'll talk about this uh, later on in the week. Now, what annoys you uh, about um, other drivers? 
Um, oh, one second. I've just had a, a message from Paul Scoynes regarding the uh, busway event last night that Dave Taylor was uh, alluding to. £1,000 a table. Um, Central Bedfordshire, this is from Paul Scoyne, Central Bedfordshire Council were invited to the dinner last night and they were asked to pay the £1,000 for their table, but they refused on account that the busway was over budget. That sounds like the right decision to have made, doesn't it? Sounds like a morally upstanding decision to have made. We'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be coming live from the busway tomorrow. We'll be indoors though, won't we? We'll be indoors doing it from indoors in somewhere warm and stuff because I don't know if anyone's noticed. It's really cold out there. We'll be live from the busway tomorrow. Uh, back to uh, what annoys you about drivers. A study has found that uh, several people are annoyed by being tailgated and motorcyclists. Justin Dealey is one of the worst drivers I know. Justin, w- what do you do that annoys other drivers? Um, what do I do? Um, not a lot, because in actual fact, um, despite what you may think, I'm actually a very, very good driver. <laughs> the perfect driver. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, I love the way you lie on the radio. No, no, listen, we went to that course. We must tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You came second and you failed miserably yeah, or because as I passed. Once again, you bribed the instructor. Such, I nearly swore them. I'm right. Ian Lee. I used to be on TV. Can I come first? Yes. Justin, you've been speaking to people about this. What have they had to say to you? Yes, I've been talking to uh, motorists this morning about uh, what makes them angry and uh, here's what people had to say. People that speed, people that if you're doing 40 in a 40 mile zone they feel they have to overtake you and go even faster. It's just dangerous. I mean, you seem like a, a lovely lady, but w- when you're behind the wheel of your car and other people are irritating you, do you lose the plot? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in consideration, if you're trying to pull out the side of a, a road and, and someone might let you in, it's a whole line of traffic. Um, that sort of thing annoys me. Lack of indication. That's the big one for you? That's the big one, on, especially on the motorways. That's not so much around town, but on the motorways. Mobile phones, people on their mobile phones. And you see that all the time still? Yeah. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Well, you know, there's no excuse now, is there? No, it's obvious when people are texting as well, looking down. The mobile phone thing, Justin, is, is an annoying thing. You're the perfect driver, you say? Yes. We just had Paul uh, on the line saying he saw you driving around today. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you, you, you didn't have your fog lights on, mate. What, what's that all about? What uh, with it being Paul foggy who? and stuff? Paul who? who? Well, I'm not gonna go, don't know, no names, no pack drill. Well, his surname, please. He was a call-up from Luton. He yep. saw you driving around sans fog lights. Mm, that's a new one on me, but there you go. Thanks fog, for that, Paul. What fog lights are a new one on no, you? No, 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 not fog lights, but um, no, I thought I was driving with my fog lights on. If I wasn't, hands up, I apologise, but I thought they were on. Don't put your hands up. Uh, yeah, thanks, Paul, you grass. Now, people filling up with petrol and not stretching the, the pump over to the other side of their car, that really annoys me. You've been doing a, a test, is that right? Yeah, that's right, because uh, you were saying that um, in terms of annoyance, you know, you see queues at petrol stations, people only want to fill up on the side of, of where their tank is. Is, you were saying, well, the hose, it stretches round the whole of the other way. I was saying earlier on, well, some older petrol stations, the hose is not that long. So what I've done, I've done a test this morning. I've been talking to a four-court attendant. We can save time, we can save money. Just take a quick listen to this. Madhu, you've just pulled your hose out for me. How long is your hose? It's about a few metres. A few metres, yeah? yeah? So you've got it here. Do you, do you want to pop it back in for us? Before things start going wrong. Okay, so that's back in. Um, now, Ian's got this theory that it doesn't matter what side you park on, yeah. you should be able to fill up your car. Is that correct? Yeah, you can, yeah. The thing is, you should park it in the right way. Park your... The your end of your car should pass the pump. So, then you'll be able to use, use, use it. 
Now, has this always been the case? Because I was saying earlier on that, that these hoses used to be a lot shorter. You know, in recent times, have they got longer? That's why you can park either side now. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. Recent, recent all the new pumps and new, all the focus, they've extended the pump system. So you, you should probably, you should be okay to fill, fill it. Because you often see in petrol stations queues of people because they're thinking, well, my tank's on that side. Listen to Dealey ju- trying to justify his no, nonsense. Matter. It's just their mindset, you know. <laughs> They go to a fuel station, they think that's the only pump they want to fill the fuel in. That's what they do. Dealey, I accept your apology. As your gentleman there said, it's just a mindset. We just want to quickly squeeze in John in Milton Keynes, who's on the line. Good morning, John. Oh, good morning. John, what can I do for you, sir? Second? What? Yes, what can I do for you? Well, uh, I just made a rang in to uh, make a comment about the uh, Chas and Dave uh, track. Oh, yes, do you like uh, it? I, I love it. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Isn't it? They're fantastic. I love Chas and Dave. I genuinely think they're brilliant. And I, I asked you, if I was speaking with your producer, I asked where... I can get a copy of the CD. Chaz, uh, no, Chaz. John, listen, if you stay on the line, yes. if you give your address to Kelly Betts, yes. I will send you this copy of it. How about that? Oh, that is brilliant. We're probably not allowed to do that at the BBC anymore, but I, I don't mind. Knew. Take John's details, please. We'll send him this. Oh, this is a record, isn't it? This is a record. Ooh. It's one of those songs you can sing, even if you don't know the words. That's it, buddy. Oh, it reminds me of my, uh, my granddad, who, who, who sounded like that when he was very, very drunk, coming home singing, Who's Sorry Now? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Looking at the cameras, it doesn't look like fog and mist has lifted everywhere yet, so driving conditions still not ideal. Lots of patchy traffic on the M1, all on the London-bound side, it would seem. Past Milton Keynes, very slow. Busy round Toddington, past Dunstable and Luton, Redbourne, and then down toward the M25. You can expect delays on the A1 and the A1M as well. It's looking better at the Black Cat roundabout, but still very slow from Letchworth to Stevenage, and slow in London through Boreham down to Mill Hill Circus. Some delays in Hoddesdon and Broxbourne on the A10 toward Chesant. It's looking a little bit slow on the A602 round Watton at Stone. Bishop Stortford, the A120 is busy. A41, as you come through Kings Langley down to the M25, expect a delay. The A413 has been slow on and off all morning through Wendover, still quite busy. High Wycombe and Marlow both looking slow on the A404. And then the M25 through the roadworks clockwise and anti-clockwise has been busy for most of the morning as well. Trains and tubes have been coping really well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. And you've been coping really well, Adam. Oh, you're very kind. There you go, you see. You see, I can be nice. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to everybody who took part in the show today. JVS is up next until tomorrow at six from me. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. And on today's big phone-in, are street cleaners a luxury we can no longer afford? Well,